0: And salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn mover late show on the planet, Earth, the John Campia Show, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile, coming to you from right here on our YouTube channel. I am, of course, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you our international friends gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world. Movies, movie news, TV and streaming and all sorts of good stuff. We've got a full house here today. Sitting right beside me is Robert Meyer Burnett. Joining us on the occasional Tuesday as he does, Christian Harloff is here and in the house, everybody. <laughs> Ray Aura is sitting over there sucking on <laughs> something. Uh, sitting right beside him. Jonathan why. Boyko running the show. And of course, we got Taylor over there as well. And most importantly, we got you guys here. Thanks for making this show part of your day. And here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts first part of the show we're going to talk about some predetermined topics and in the second half of the show we're going to take your live comments and questions here's how you get a comment or question on number one you got to be watching live number two when we get to the end of the main topics we'll announce that we're opening up the super chats we only leave them open for just a couple of minutes but when we do we'll announce that and that'll be your chance to throw in your thoughts theories questions and opinions and we'll address those in the second half of the show also, quick reminder, guys, if you guys need your daily fix of the John Campus Show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video. Good news, there is the audio version known as very creatively the John Campus Show podcast. Just go onto your favorite podcasting app of choice and subscribe to it today so it'll be there when you need it. All right, guys, with that down, let's dive right into it. We got a whole bunch of stuff to talk about here today. And the first thing we're going to talk about is this. As of this moment, and I got a few things I'm watching this week that may take its place. But as of this moment, my personal favorite film of the year is still Michelle Yeoh's "Everything, Everywhere, All at Once." Uh, I I just I'm still a gog and aghast by how incredible this film is, and more of you need to see it. I believe it is. It became the number one A24 film of yep. all time, right? It became the number one grossing A24 film of all time. This little indie film that could, and it's getting Oscar buzz. Well, one of the big independent film ceremonies happened the other night, and that is the Gotham Awards. Now, there's the Indie Spirit Awards, but then there's also the Gotham Awards. And Everything, Everywhere, All at Once took home Best Picture at the Gotham Awards. Uh, it became it, it took home the top prize for Best Feature of the Year uh, for independent uh, for independent film. That, of course, will fuel its momentum going into the Oscars, which is really exciting. But what was also really interesting was that uh, Kihung Kwan who was, of course, short-rounded in Indiana Jones, and he plays Michelle uh, Yo's husband in the film, he actually took home Best Supporting Performance. Now, at the Gotham Awards, they don't uh, delineate between actor and actress. They just have Best Performance. So they had the Best Lead Performance, and they had Best Supporting Performance. And Best Supporting Performance went to key, which is awfully awesome to see. I was really, really excited to see that. By the way, Danielle Deadweiler uh, won Best Lead Performance for Till. Uh, that was, again, at the, uh, at the Gotham Awards. So... Big stuff, Rob. You know, I've been gushing about everything everywhere from the moment that I saw. We all thought the trailers were pretty impressive. We're seeing it get the big nominations for the Indie Spirit Awards. It's now won the Gotham Awards. Now, the independent award things are not necessarily templates for what's going to happen at the Oscars. But with the momentum it has, how significant is it that it won the Gotham Awards? And where do you see its Oscar chances right now?
1: Well, I think it's a significant on a number of levels. One it's a fantastically imaginative film that was yeah. made for not a lot of money, comparatively speaking. And and it shows that, and certainly, I mean, Michelle Yeoh is, of course, I've been watching her for decades, literally. I love her, but this is not exactly a cast that is known to everyone. Yeah. And it, it's a film that, again, wildly imaginative, directed by the Daniels, um, and it it gave, what do we go to the movies for? To see movies like this. And I think that, um and, and James Hong. And I think that one of the things about this movie that's so terrific is it, it embodies everything that indie quote unquote indie cinema is supposed to be. It it shows a, a startling new voice in cinema that that has, is emerging that's probably going to be making movies the Daniels for the next decades. And also it it rewards real creativity. And I think that it's exactly what it's exactly the kind of movies that should be winning awards because Unlike a lot of indie movies that people say are winning at the Oscars now, this is a movie that is also wildly entertaining. Yeah. You know, it's not beating you over the head with its messaging. It's you go in and it you're It kind of does in a
0: way, but it doesn't it in well, a really fun
1: way. Yeah, but that's the thing. I mean, great stories have their messaging baked into them. Yes. You know, they that and that's the thing. It sneaks up on you. And I think that this movie
0: it, it, to me it exemplifies what cinema still can be. You know, one of the other Oscar bits of Oscar buzz that this movie is getting is that when you go to a lot of the awards coverage sites, a lot of them are saying Jamie Lee Curtis has a real shot at a best supporting mm-hmm. actress thing. Interestingly though, she was not nominated for the Gotham and I'm not, I can't remember if she was nominated for the Indie spirit awards either, but still a lot of the awards sites are saying she could be up there for that. Anyway, Christian, you have a chance to take a look at this. What's your takeaway from this? And how significant is this going into Oscar season?
2: I think it's very significant also from the time when the movie was released. It was released earlier mm-hmm. in the year. And yeah. a lot of times that's not a good... That's that's That works against movies. But the fact that this movie... Uh, you just listen to the both of you guys in the way that you've expressed your love for it. That's the majority of people who have seen this movie feel the same way. I feel the same way. It's just, it's creative. I agree with you that it's, it's one of those things Like I feel like every time we see most Oscar movies these days. And I also think it's one of the reasons (laughs) that I I know, Well, I also think it's one of the reasons why I like that that some of these Oscar movies are not doing so well in the theater right now is because we're not in this great super happy time in the world right now and we're not in people want to go to movies for escapism it reminds me of like the late 70s right when people were like all you were getting were movies like Chinatown and things and a movie did very well obviously but there was a, it was a call for more like Uplifting entertaining movies right and this is one of those movies. I think I think there's a reason why Top Gun did as well as it did also because if it's it's kind of a throwback to it to the um, to the old school way of, of escapism inside of movies and this was that and this was also I love the idea that it was a smaller budget movie with great performances brilliantly directed uh the score was fantastic yeah it really was all of it so it doesn't surprise me that this movie's getting loved because it's it's it, every person that you see that that covers oscar stuff that it's all in their top tens already the movies to be looking out for everyone's talking about it and the fact that when the buzz starts happening if your movie if it, even if it came out in february march whenever this movie came out and it's still in the list you've got a good chance and obviously that's the case of what just happened and I love that Kay is is back because that's it's similar somewhat similar to like the the comeback of Brendan Fraser although Brendan Fraser was I think maybe even more so for yeah. key right because he's been gone for we knew him as whether it was short round or uh, or data you know and now to see what he's capable of now as an adult and he's doing all these new things and he's gonna be he's gonna be in the new marvel show also i think coming up is that is that right is, a, is, is either, yeah it's Marvel, right yeah, it's guy. a secret invasion i think maybe he's in no i don't well, think he's in I secret, secret wars secret wars yeah, sorry yeah. not invasion secret wars i always get the two confused but anyway it's great to see him coming back in general
0: wait did we are you? Brendan Fraser is going to be in. School? Not Brendan Fraser. No, K-1. K-1. Oh, okay. I'm like, wait a minute, wait. Yeah, what? yeah I'm,
2: just, I'm just saying that it's. Are just, you thinking of
0: Batgirl? No, no, no. It's I say a parallel
2: between the two of them and the fact that they both have these these comebacks, and especially him, even more so.
0: The, the one point you brought up there, which I think is so key, is the fact that it, no it's it's not often when you get those films that come out early in the year that have had that being at front of the forefront of everybody's minds throughout right. the whole year. What was the one uh, about the kid where they shot over 17 years? Oh, uh, oh boyhood boyhood, yeah, boyhood right like that was one that was another example of that right that yeah. got the early year release but then kind of just lingered there the whole time and then started against Moscow's. all right guys questions for you what do you think about this everything everywhere all at once has taken home the top prize at the gotham awards will that momentum flow into the oscars did you see the movie i know some of you didn't but you got to get on that whatever you guys think jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys With that down, let's go into our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you've got a question, you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our hotline number anytime, 24-7. That's 951-268-4259. Leave a message there, and maybe you'll hear it on the show. Today's question is about James Gunn saying that DC video games are going to be in canon with the movies. Uh, Let's listen to this.
3: Hey, what's up, guys? It's Phil from Arkansas. James Gunn was on Twitter saying that from this point on, even the video games that are DC are going to be in the same universe as all the DC movies. It's hard enough having a cohesive movie universe. Do you think this is the right step moving forward into all this? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks.
0: All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And of course, one of the most exciting things, other than Hugh Jackman coming back as Wolverine to be in a Deadpool movie, is that James Gunn is running with Peter Safran, a brand new, newly created DC studio. And that is one of the most exciting things in the world. Now, what's he going to do with it? Well, he, as he's always is, James Gunn is very, very active on social media, very interactive with people who write to him on social media. And somebody just straight up asked about the video games and stuff like that and asked if the video games will tie in with the movies to which James Gunn simply said, yes, that, that was it. That was the, the full extent of his response. Now, That, of course, started generating a lot of the headlines that James Gunn is saying that the video games are going to be in continuity and canon with the movies and all that kind of stuff. I'm not so sure that's exactly what he was saying, because he also said that, you know, a lot of stuff is going to be in continuity. But James Gunn also this week came out and specified that while we are creating our DC cinematic universe, we are also going to have standalone movies continue. And that's going to which I loved hearing because I love the fact that they do some standalone stuff over there. My impression that I got from that was that I'm not sure he's necessarily saying every video game that comes out that has DC characters in it is necessarily going to be in canon, but rather maybe some of them will be. I mean, maybe yes, maybe no. But, Christian, I'll tell you what. When I heard this initially, that he was saying that, you know, games are going to be in continuity, I had traumatic flashbacks. I know where you going. When disney took over star wars and they said from now on everything is canon the video games the comic books the the uh, stories you tell your children at night the movies the tv shows It's all in canon and i don't remember about the part when she then kathleen kennedy once said our sales going up after i said that yeah <laughs> and, and then hung up quickly right but i remember saying well this is very ambitious but i don't know how long that can last now and of course it didn't last long and eventually It wasn't, was it Pablo Hidalgo who eventually once said when, when the book started, look, when you get something as deep and as complex as Star Wars, you're never going to be able to keep everything in canon. And we started recognizing in certain books, certain canon was being broken. And then Pablo Hidalgo made that infamous quote. Well, when you're reading the books, the part that are uh, consistent with the movies, that's canon. And the parts that aren't, aren't canon. To which I said, you're not sort of pregnant. You're either pregnant or you're not. It's canon or it's not. So I had a little bit of flashbacks about that, but I, again, I think that's what James Gunn meant was that it's some of them will be in canon and some of them will be, I don't know, you heard him say this, you saw the headlines, what's your takeaway from it?
2: So I thought the exact same thing, but the difference is this. I think that it goes back to the whole point of what we were talking about when you have someone like James Gunn, who is also, by the way, a massive Knights of the little Republic fan and a massive gaming, yeah. a massive Star Wars fan. He was probably as excited as we were when he heard all the, the stuff about the canon stuff inside yeah. of the games and everything too. And I also think that he is an ma- actual a massive fan of all this stuff as well. And and this is not a critique of Kathleen Kennedy. She is not of all of this stuff in general. And I think that that has to count when it comes to introducing the games and the stuff because it means you want to connect all of it. It's not just to sell it and then say, we don't have any source material. What? James Gunn isn't saying that. James, I, I agree with you. I think that some of it inside of, and in the same way that they're going to have standalone um, movies still, I think right. that they'll have these things that connect. But I do think he's going to make sure that these things do connect all the way through because I think he wants to do that. And I think when you think about the idea of what Lucasfilm wanted to do in 2012, it was awesome. It's was the reason I read all this stuff. It was the reason I did because I wanted to learn a couple of things. Yeah, and it,
0: suddenly we all wanted to buy yeah. every book
2: that came out. And I stopped because it was, it was to me, it was more of a lie. To be honest. Yeah. And even when you look at like K2SO and Andor, we know how they meet in the comics. You think Tony Gilroy is going to stick to that? Probably not. Right. But I don't think that. I think that James Gunn says it in general, if he wants to have these certain things that connect, they're going to. And I think you'll have these through lines that'll make sense that, that you'll be rewarded. That's the whole thing. We want to be rewarded if we get this stuff, right. if it plays the canon. And I think you will with certain games, with certain shows, with certain animated uh, properties for sure, and certain movies. I think it'll connect. And they'll be very clear and precise about what is and what isn't. And I've got that confidence in, in Gunn and Saffron.
0: One of the other dangers here, Rob, that comes along with something like this. Back in the 80s and 90s, the comic book industry faced a a, a massive problem, which was, you know, you had all these comics and they all try to interconnect with all the other comics with their storylines. Okay, you read Amazing Spider-Man 1. The story continues in Bishop special issue number three next week. And all of a sudden, you know, you're somebody who'd like to collect two or three comics every month. Now, if you wanted to follow the story, you had to get all of them. It creates... The danger, not that this will be realized, but the danger that are you creating a DC world where, okay, well, wait a minute. If I want to watch this new Batman movie, I have to go back first and play the DC Legends of Tomorrow game because that's can, it, it, like how, how close and how dangerous do you think they got to tread here to that line? Like how can something come positive come out of it? Well, I, I, the, the real problem is that
1: there are very few people that, can, that have a grasp of how this would work. And the thing about it is, I honestly believe that it's the one place where people that are around, I'd say, my age, you had to have lived through this period of time. And you have to understand how to make, like in James Gunn's case, he's a novelist. He's written for film companies. He's now an A-list director. He's a gamer. He's a geek. He was there when Star Wars was new and has watched all of this happened. The rise of DD, the rise of video games, all of it. He's been a part of all of it. He's a huge fan of all of it. So unlike, you know, Kevin Feige specialized in one thing, James Gunn has a holistic understanding of all of this. The question is, can you put people in place that can make sure this stuff is all kept square? They, they, they always pay lip service to this. But they never have anybody that can keep track of it all
0: in a proper way. What did um, they call that at Lucasfilm? They, was it the story group? Yeah. yeah was, they're, the, they're supposed to oversee Yeah, it was the Holocron. Or not yeah. the
2: Holocron. What was it? Uh, but, but
0: even then, you, you know, you need...
1: They've been talking about transmedia properties now for decades, where you're going to have all these different things that all link together. Now, I would say that James Gunn would know that, okay, we have a video game that's going to tell the story of so-and-so doing this, like in the DC universe. Now... With gameplay and everything, I would imagine that you've got to have some leeway. But the story that's being told, the conflict with whomever—Martian Manhunter is looking for Oreo cookies and he runs afoul of—I don't know—Cookie Monster, somebody—and and that that experience, that event occurred in the video game. But the vagaries of how you have to play to get to that are probably you know those that's in game. But the results of whatever happens at the end that becomes canon. And I can see that happening, so the video game story happened, but it has to give you leeway, because who knows how you're going to play it.
2: And not and I know you want to move on, but like the, the one thing that, as far as you're concerned about
0: <laughs> where, where that? did that come from?
2: The wide it, world of the internet.
0: Where I, did started.
1: Started. I mean, I, I said when I said Oreo cookies, I, this was not just some random cookie. That's the Bar- Martian
2: Manhunter loves Oreo. Okay,
0: so you actually okay. I'm just gonna yeah. say where did this well, thing come from? Well, one place?
2: of the things that you, that you had mentioned, you're concerned with that because you could get lost if you didn't see it, right? You yeah, know, you know who did it really well, even though the movie following wasn't great, was The Matrix. Yes, Animatrix yeah. was done very well. There's there's stuff about how the kid was found inside it. If you didn't see it. And you, you didn't saw need the movie, to see it. You didn't need to see yeah. it. There was the video game that they had for The Matrix that played into a lot of stuff that happens in the movie that if you played it, you were rewarded. And you Oh, because it was canon and it did make sense, but you didn't need it. It's a, you didn't need to see it in order to yeah. catch up. That's but how you can do it. The Wachowskis that's
3: really
1: understood that, though. Of
2: course. Like, that's they what, were, that's what they I mean. were
1: probably the only creators that ever got it. And again, they're they're of a certain age. James Gunn is a contemporary. Yeah. So Here's, I here's see another working.
0: question, though, that could complicate this a bit. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I fully understand the inner workings of this. I'm not. But it was my understanding that those video games are not made by DC Studios. They're made by Warner Brothers Interactive. So does James Gunn's role as the head of DC Studios give him... Probably collaboration. Maybe more yeah. of a collaboration yeah. thing? Yeah. All right, it's going to be interesting. Guys, question is, what do you think about all this? Do you like the idea of maybe them trying to tie the games into the movies? Are you worried that they try to tie them in too tightly and like, you can't watch the movies unless you also play the games or whatever else? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, we're going to take a quick second here and thank one of the sponsors of today's show, my favorite shirts, the good folks, or shirts, my favorite, the folks over at Stamps.com. We want to thank a sponsor of today's episode, Stamps.com. Guys, it happens every holiday season. No matter how prepared we think we are for the season, it always turns out we're nowhere near as prepared as we thought we were, especially with our shipping. And right about now, seasonal excitement or dread as the case may be, is really starting to settle in, especially for small businesses. Slaying through traffic to the post office, inboxes more like a blizzard than a winter wonderland, rushing to send cards and gifts to your loyal clients, the good. news is it's not too late to get your holiday mailing and shipping under control with stamps.com. Sign up now and you'll be printing your own postage in minutes. Because stamps.com is your one-stop shop for all of your shipping and mailing needs. Get access to the United States Postal Service and UPS services that you need to run your business right from your computer. Up to 86% off. So this holiday season, trade late nights for silent nights and get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with promo Code Campia for a special offer that includes a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code Campia. And thank you to our friends at stamps.com for sponsoring today's episode of The John Campia Show. Okay, guys. <laughs> Go around. on. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's off-camera conversation that you guys have no context for. Uh, with that down, let's move into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics? So well, That's where we need you guys because you guys come up with our main topics. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover here on the show, just go anytime, 24-7 over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. That down? Rob, what mm-hmm. is our first main topic today? Our first main topic comes to us
1: from Who Killed Peter? Hey, John and crew. I've seen a report going around for a couple of days now that says Avatar The Way of Water might have a budget of anywhere from 350 to $400 million, making it one of the most expensive movies of all time. This is much bigger than the previous projected budget, which was $250 million. Just how much does this movie have to make
0: to profit? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. Now, of course, we ended up having to talk about the budget of Avatar uh, to The Way of Water the other day because a report came out that James Cameron had said the movie's going to have to be the top one or two biggest film of all time in order to break even. Now, of course we broke that down and that was complete nonsense because the film literally would have had to have cost $1.1 billion in order to have to do this. So we speculated, you know what? James Cameron wasn't talking worldwide. He was talking domestic. Cause if you look at the biggest domestic films of all time, now you're talking in the $800, $900 million range and that seemed to make more sense. Well now according to reports like uh, this one that's coming up here on the screen, we now do know what the actual cost of the movie is. According to the Hollywood Reporter, the cost of the movie is coming in, according to them, $350 to $400 million. Now, the funny thing is, that doesn't even make it the most expensive film of all time, but I believe it puts it in the top one, two, or three of that whole thing. So in asking the question and becoming one of the most expensive films at all time, how much... Does Avatar actually need to make? Now that we know it does not need to make $2 billion to break even, well, how much does it cost to make? Well, we're going to go back to the old formula here. So let's go into the uh into the Campia classroom here for just a second. Okay. Now again, I've gone through this before, but we keep getting asked about it. So I'll just mention this one more time. When you're looking what I was told by the vice president of acquisitions at AMC Theaters when I worked there. And this, this was the guy who was responsible for acquiring the films, what was going to come in and be on AMC screens. His basic thing to me was the formula was simple. It's this. It's you take, when you're trying to figure out a break-even number, I'll say pro, production budget plus uh, marketing. So let's call it Mark. And then you add, or uh, yes, add 33%. So that's the basic formula. If you want to know, just general rule of thumb, this isn't exact science. You said just generally, if you want to have a general idea about how much a movie needs to make at the box office in order to be profitable, you take the cost of production plus the cost of marketing, and then you add about one-third. You add 33%. And that should equal, we'll just call BE, break-even. All right? So let's say, let's go with Avatar or A2, Avatar 2. So if they're saying the production budget equals say 400 million, let's say that this is going to be one of the most expensive marketing campaigns ever. Okay, so let's say the marketing equals, well, not the most, but really, really up there. Let's say 200 million. Okay. Well, now you're talking about $600 million. Add about 33%. That's roughly another $200 million. So you are looking at an $800 million break-even point for avatar 2 which if you go back to our conversations about the james cameron saying needs to be one of the biggest things of all time and we said he probably met domestic this number represents that it represents one of the biggest domestic box offices of all time so in in actuality i mean this is a general rule of thumb but in actuality you're probably looking at 800-900 million dollars is going to need to break even. Obviously that's a far cry from the 2.1 billion dollars some people are speculating it was going to need. But rob while while 800 million dollars is nothing compared to a 2.1 billion dollars people are saying it's going to make. This is one of the most expensive films ever made and unlike some of those other films that are in the top 1, 2 or 3 which had massive behind-the-scenes drama where they had to stop filming and then go back and reshoot and do blah, blah, blah. This is a straightforward movie, and they're talking about a neighborhood of $400 million. Does that make sense to you, that a movie like Avatar The Way of Water would be one of the most expensive films at all time? And does an $800 million in that neighborhood target, is that a manageable break-even point, or could this movie be in danger of being a money loser? Well,
1: I mean, of, of all the movies ever made... I would bet on this one. But there's also a number that people always forget when they talk about box office and how much m- money a movie needs to ma- make to break even. And, and it also deals with studio accounting. There's studio overhead. And, and that doesn't, it doesn't, like a, a movie is a business unto itself. You create a new LLC and there's the, there's the production budget of the movie itself. But then there's also the overhead of the studio. And the studio charges every movie with that overhead which isn't necessarily a part of the production budget of the movie that comes in later. And that could be depending on how creative you want to get with your accounting uh, a lot more money as well. That's why they always say like Peter Jackson would sue Warner Brothers because Warner Brothers says, "Uh, I know Lord of the Rings made a billion dollars, but it has yet to break even because they keep adding and that studio accounting never goes away. It keeps happening because movies are an ongoing business proposition They're not just making money for their box office release, they make money for years. But I would say that if you're gonna bet on one movie, I would bet on this. I mean, it's still, the real question is, how much profit do you expect to make? And the studios, they're not making, like even if you make a movie that's $100 million and it makes a billion dollars, how much profit do you really make at the end of the day? 100 million, 200 million, there's 800 million that's going out. I could see this still being profitable if this movie, but they're expecting it to make $2 billion. Yeah. And I think, and, I don't think it will. And if it doesn't, I mean, even if it made $2 billion, I bet they would be happy with a $200 million profit. Well, that gets into creative
0: accounting. I mean, like it, that's, yes, that's,
1: no, that's... but the, but the thing is, there's a lot of, there's a lot of there. And that's how Hollywood is masterful at creative accounting. The art Buchwald case and coming to America, which people don't remember, but that was a big deal in Hollywood. Uh, in terms of how people get paid. You've got everybody from Chris Carter suing Fox for double dealing itself with X-Files. I mean, there's so many different examples where it, when you actually look at Hollywood accounting, you can make it so no movie looks like it was profitable. Yeah, if you wanted to. If you
2: wanted to. Christian? But, yeah. You know why Fox sold to Disney? Uh, you know, it was one of the reasons. They, I mean, they, Fox was the one that greenlit this a while ago, and Disney obviously was put some... I wonder how much cost... Fox put into this, and how much f- cost Disney put into it, you know, and how much if Disney's going to lose, if it doesn't make money, and how much I guess they pick up a lot of the debt that Fox well, they, has anyway, when you buy they the company, up, you buy, they the pay all the yeah, debt, right. yeah, so, them. so they're going to but I just wonder how much, if anything, you know, they had made back with other movies at that point to cover up for it. I don't know, but e- either way, you've got this movie that I think is going to do very well. I think it's going to, because the reason why I think it's going to do there's no other game in town in December at all. Like, Avatar is the only big movie at all until February.
0: Yeah, because until... wasn't Aquaman supposed to come out? Aquaman and Shazam. And, moved. and Shazam. and Shazam. Yeah.
2: They both were supposed to come out. Aquaman moved, Shazam moved. Shazam was the one that stuck around the most, and then Shazam got out of the way, because I, I of reshuffling in DC in general. I don't think it was getting out of the way of Avatar. But that helped Avatar. That helped Avatar make money, uh, going to make money, because there's nothing else to see, especially during Christmas time. And then you've got nothing until ant man and the quantum mania right so you have time to build and for what we saw my concern with it is this they showed some stuff at d23 and i thought it looked fantastic the underwater stuff and the 3d stuff was it was what, what why 3d was so special when the first one came out right. it looks great my issue with it was the frame rate the frame rate reminded me of what they did with with hobbit right and i didn't like that i didn't like the hobbit and the i didn't tv
0: soap opera feel
2: yeah and i'm wondering If that's going to change in the theater, if you were the same way in Hobbit, you had a chance to watch it uh, and not not in that in that ratio. So I think that's going to have a big effect, to be honest, because I don't think a lot of people are going to love it. But I do think it's going to make I think it'll make money. I agree with you, John. I don't think it's going to make two billion. I think it makes about one point two, one point three overall, which is, you know, it's not it's not nothing. I mean, yeah, but it it
0: makes it one of the biggest box office hits of all time. Right. If it does. But I mean, that that's the thing, too, because you bring that up is that expectations become the ultimate distorter of our view of reality sometimes, right. right? Like, you can say, well, the first movie made almost $3 billion, so we expect this one to clear $2 billion. So if it makes $1.6, there are going to be people that come out and say, oh, what a failure! Right. It's like, I'm sorry, I made $1.6 billion. Right. <laughs> it, it's like one of the biggest hits of all time. Like, again, I, I think it is just a little too little too late. Like, this, this sequel is very late in the coming. And I think for it to have had a shot at $2 billion, it needed to come out like three years ago or when they originally targeted like 2017. Now, that being said, never doubt Cameron. I said the same thing yeah. about Top Gun. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think most a lot of people said the same thing. And I was one of them. And it's like $1.5, $1.4 billion film. And again, I never doubt Cameron. That's why I'm sure this will be a hit. I, I just don't know if that hits that $2 billion. Rob, if I had to put you on the spot right now, feet to the fire does avatar two hit two billion dollars well my
1: initial see my problem with answering that is i haven't seen it
0: I, and that's really and, what i'll down you to you know right?
1: it, 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 if the film is if it's, if it's highlander two, the quickening <laughs> I, i'm like i, I russell mckay directed that too michael ironside classic. you know i mean we're going back to zeist or whatever the hell that planet yep. was i mean going back to pandora if it's that <laughs> it ain't gonna make two billion however if it connects, if, if it does what James Cameron does best and the fact that it has an open landings, you know, it could become a cultural event that everyone over the holiday season, it could be just the thing that people who are coming out of COVID, mm-hmm. inflation, you know, world wars, the World Cup, whatever strife, the divided country, this could be the great cure all. Mm. And if it is that, if people get that emotional jolt and James Cameron delivers, this could become the cultural event of the end of 2022.
2: And you know what can Except- help that also? It's the fact that I love the first Avatar. I do too. Yeah. There are not a lot of people, but there are a lot of people who don't like it. think it was a ripoff of Dances with Wolves or it has, through time. I'm both. It was a ripoff of <laughs> Dances with
0: Wolves and it was <laughs> great. I right, was but so it's a lot of movies here. What's, What's that? that? It's opening in China. And it's China getting a China release right.
2: too, which is huge. But I think that what Rob yes. is saying here also if this movie, the second one, takes those people who are, going, you know, what I didn't really love the first one, but I'll see the second one, and then they love the second one more than the first one, and they go, "I didn't love the first one, man, the second one's incredible." That could also boost it up mm. tremendously. The repeat viewings of people who didn't think they wanted to see it in the first place.
1: And I have to say, I think a lot of people that say they
2: didn't like this movie
1: that I hear online, the first one, yeah, never saw it. I mean, they never saw it in a theater.
2: They might have watched in the theater, right, 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 yeah, yeah, right. That's what I mean. They, right. never,
1: they did not have the experience, because, dude, this movie was a cultural event. Everybody saw it. Or
2: forgot movie. what it was like when they yeah, saw it. The yeah. yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's
1: How so.
0: much
3: did uh, the re-release make? Does anyone know? It was a lot. Yeah.
0: To... I mean, for re-releases, it, it was, yeah, it was a lot. And, and I can't remember the number, but I remember, I think it was the biggest re-release, hmm. other than the first time when they re-released the Star Wars Special Edition. right. Like, but that was when they changed the movie and that. Yeah, it was like, like 96.
1: Was- you, you know, this seems kind of goofy, but the other day Taylor shot a video of us sitting here with a filter, an Avatar filter, and he put up Avatar playing on the screen. It was a scene where Jake Sully's getting out of his container and you see the guys floating around in the ships in the background. And I'm like, and I, I turn and I, I don't know what it is about that movie. I was mesmerized. I haven't seen Avatar in years. And I was sitting there looking at it on the screen going, there's something, James Cameron can do something that you can never, there's a magic yeah. in his filmmaking. It's in
0: Aliens, it's in The Abyss, it's every, Terminator. Titanic. It's, it it Titanic. You can't look away, man. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? It does look like Avatar is indeed going to be one of the most expensive films ever made. and It's going to have a pretty high threshold for what it needs to make to break even. It's not $2 billion. But still, how do you think it's going to do? Are you looking forward to the movie? Whatever your guys' thoughts are, jump down to the comments section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Rob, what is our second main topic? John, now? our second main topic comes to us
1: from Sally. No. Hey, guys. My most anticipated movie for the rest of the year is not Avatar, but rather Puss in Boots, <laughs> The Last Wish. I'm a big animation fan, but aside from Turning Red and The Bad Guys, I haven't really liked this year's animated films. That said, it looks like Puss in Boots will change that, as the first reviews are very positive, saying that it's better than the first one even.
0: Does this make you more excited? What are your thoughts? This was funny. I was. I think it was I might've been doing an ask me anything on the weekend and somebody brought up that they went to go see an advanced screening of this. I'm like, Oh, there were advanced screens. I'm Oh my God, I had tickets to that. And I had totally forgotten about it. Totally forgotten about it. Of course, I'm not a huge Puss in Boots guy. All right. I mean, I thought it was very, very charming in the Shrek films. Um, the, the, the movies have had their moments. I, I don't dislike them, but I'm not a huge Shrek guy or a huge uh, Puss in Boots guy. But when the trailer came, that last full trailer, I, it kind of won me over. I thought, well, this looks totally really great. interesting. Well, the reviews are looking great. And if we want to pull up my computer screen here for a second, uh, the uh, the actual computer screen, not the iPad. But if we looked at that right now, uh, not many, just just 11, just 11, all of them positive except one Uh Uh, Bibiani was it (laughs) Bibiani? Bibiani right now is the one dissenting voice but everybody else is raving about it and more importantly the audience score is sitting at so we got a critic score of 91 an audience score of 98 and here's the more key thing is that the unlike say Strange World where you know 70% of the critics said they like it but when you read their comments they're like yeah we, we like it it's a fine it's a fine little movie but the people who are liking Puss in Boots are really really liking it a lot Again, except for Bibiani. And who knows? Maybe I'll end up agreeing with him. I haven't seen the movie yet myself. But I think this is a really good sign this is coming out. And Christian, for me, like, I don't know. You and I never talked about the trailer that came out for this. I was really pleasantly surprised by the trailer. Even though I'm not big into this property, it's very exciting to see these types of numbers. Because you know what? I'll say right now, I think this movie, as far as animation goes, this movie's going to make bank. I think this movie's going to make into the three, four hundred plus million dollar range but i don't know what do you think about this well
2: it's the same thing we're just saying with um with avatar for kids movies it's the only game in town uh during that time really um and to be completely honest with you i thought it was a direct to streaming movie at first so So i did i I just so i just ignored it i was like not not that i wouldn't probably catch it with my daughter or something you know but then I started hearing more about it and people were like, no, this is, and I started getting emails about it and I'm like, oh, you know, I haven't watched the trailer yet because I don't want to because I, I actually have a screening link for it because I think that they're pushing it now for potential awards. Yeah, And that is, so I will be watching it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the, the five-year-old watch it who saw Strange World with me and I agree with the critics too. To me, it was, it was fine, it's forgettable. This movie could be a surprise animation hit People love the character, so I'm I'm actually way more I'm anticipating it now, and very similar to the viewer to where I wasn't beforehand. But now hearing the positive buzz, more word of mouth, and and the idea that it's something I could watch with my with my little one, I'm I'm pretty excited about it.
1: Rob, what are you taking away from this? Well, you know, here's the thing with these with animated films or any movie, it's the premise that attracts me. What is this movie about? I think this movie has a pretty genius premise. The idea that Puss in Boots, who's a cat, has used up eight of his lives and he's got one left i'm as a cat lover john that premise is fascinating oh. but no but it's fascinating to me because it plays on the you know the the whole myths of, of felines and all that and i love the idea that you've got this hero call it anything but the hero knows that he has to hang up his his spurs like this is this is the end of the end of It's uh, it, it could be unforgiven you know the same way like one last mission, one last ride. I have to do one last thing to redeem myself. That's a great idea that always works. And the fact that watching it when you watch this trailer, dude, the tr- you'll you'll be like, okay, everything Goldilocks and right. her three bears. Everything about this movie looks like an animation is only as good as the ideas behind it, the gags, the story, the execution. This to me looks like just from the trailer, a movie that I, as a jaded film goer. I'm, I'm like, I want to see that. Uh, if this were live action, if it was animation, I'd still want to see it because the premise interests me. I want to know, how does this story resolve?
0: I I have to admit, there every once in a while, there'll be a moment in a trailer where I don't nearly spit up whatever it is I'm drinking at the time. That scene where, because he's got to retire, because he only has one life left, so he can't do any adventuring, and he goes to that old woman's house with all the cats in it, and he tries to use the toilet. She goes, no, 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 you have to go over here. And she puts him down in front of the litter box, and Puss in Boots is looking at the litter box, and he says, "This is where dignity goes to die." <laughs> I just about died. But I that's watched. a great gag. Yeah, it is. I mean that's a funny. It shows there's witness film. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of it. And listen, I'll tell you what. I get while I'm, you know what, I, I'd be remiss. Um, I have I never thought they existed, but apparently there are people who are not just fans of, but obsessed with the world of Shrek. Uh, we've got one of them in the office. I have never met anybody more obsessed <laughs> with Shrek and the world of Shrek. So I must ask you, Taylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's a spin off, but yeah. our, where's your excitement level for Puss in Boots? Through the roof. Uh, I am so excited for this.
3: We're all going to go together. We're all going to dress up as cats. And when you We're say all we, going to wear boots. Who do you? Who? Uh, I mean, Ray. I mean, Jonathan John. Yeah. I mean, Rob, Christian. You could bring your five year old. Have you It'll enjoyed your time working here? <laughs> Would you like it to continue? The only no, people sorry. more excited for Puss in Boots 2 than me would be Smash Mouth, because look at what it's doing for them. <laughs> That's right. I mean, they're
0: suddenly going to be relevant again. Yeah. All right, guys. Question is for Relevant's you. Relevant's a strong word. <laughs> so they're all Well, they're all over TikTok. Strong word. What do you guys think about all this? The the word coming out about it is like really, really exceptional. Uh, did you like the trailer? Maybe you don't care about the property at all. Are you looking forward to it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and let us know Your thoughts. All right, guys, before we continue on here, we're going to take a second to thank another sponsor of today's show. They do make my favorite shirts, our friends over at True Classic. We want to thank the sponsor of today's video, True Classic. The holidays are here, and there is plenty of t shirt cheer thanks to our sponsor. True Classic Tees. Guys, we have the perfect gift for your wish list. True Classic Tees are a gift for you, for her, and a great present for any guy in your life. True Classic is on a mission to maximize men's confidence by making them look good. Get 25% off True Classic with my exclusive link, trueclassic.com slash campia, and the discount doesn't stop there. You'll save even more during their site-wide sale. Guys, like most of you, I have always struggled with finding the right shirts for me. Either they're not all that comfortable or they don't fit me all that right. Well, the best thing is, is that True Classics team has designed t-shirts to make guys of all sizes feel confident in their clothing. These shirts taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. This is the perfect look that can be achieved by every body type. And they offer other menswear as well, ranging from polos to workout shirts designed to keep your body feeling nice and comfy. So guys, get 25% off at trueclassic.com campia. Free shipping included on purchases over $100 dollars that's 25 percent off at TrueClassic.com slash campia and thank you to our friends at true classic for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show remember guys when you support our sponsors you're actually supporting us so go on down into the comments or into the description of this video and right near the top of that description you'll find links to all of our sponsors and their promo codes and once again thank you to the folks over at true classic All right, guys, with that down, we're now going to move on to main topic number three. Woo!
2: Rob! Like a cat.
0: (laughs) What is our third main topic today?
1: John, our third main topic comes from Film Zone. First Pooh and now How the Grinch Stole Christmas is getting a horror film. They say it's a spoof to get around copyrights using the Mad Magazine names changed to spoof names for the film. A movie poster is dropped with the Grinch holding a knife and Cindy Lou, scared in its reflection. The poster also confirms a theater release for the film. Wonder what the Dr. Seuss family thinks of this film, and will they take action or ignore
0: it? And is the film protected as a spoof film? All right, thanks a lot for saying that in. And uh, there's not just a poster, a trailer has dropped. There is now a trailer for The Mean One, which is out there. This is the, the webpage, uh, com. And it looks a lot like the Jim Carrey version of, you know what this, that's what kind of worries me. Like, could they be sued for art? Like, like probably not because it is the Jim Carrey version of itself was an iteration, but this is what gets me when the poo, blood and honey thing came out. I thought, you know, where this movie came from. Somebody found this bear mask. And said, would it be funny if he was a killer? And they, so, I, I have a feeling somebody found in their garage this Grinch mask and said, let's make a horror movie out of it. So I will tell you what, though. I watched the trailer oh, no. and I want to see this movie. <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know what this movie is about, uh, this is how the movie is described. This is the synopsis of the film. It reads as follows. A hairy green skinned grump <laughs> in a Santa suit living on a mountain high above the town of newville not whoville newville uh despising the holiday season young cindy you know who uh crystal martin (laughs) whose parents were butchered by the mean one 20 christmases (laughs) earlier is returning to the town to seek closure but when the mean one launches a new reign of terror that threatens to destroy christmas cindy finds a bold new purpose trapping and killing the monster this is exactly what poo blood and honey is it's the exact same thing taking this beloved childhood thing and tra- now i would say this fits better than poo because i could see the grinch murdering folks <laughs> i could totally see the grinch straight up murdering and this whole concept that the mythology is a little bit different than the way we've been told sure cindy lou walked in on a santa impersonator in their home But instead of giving her milk and cookies and sending her off to bed, he murdered her parents and then disappeared back into the hills. I'm not going to lie to you. I want to see this. I thought the trailer was funny. I want to check this out. When they say theatrical release, I think somebody's probably booking the Spartan five at their local mall for an afternoon to play it in theaters, but I don't know wherever it's going to play. And however you're going to see it, I want to see it, but it highlights that this is now a trend because not only do we have the Winnie the Pooh thing, now we have the Grinch. I also saw that there is a Bambi one coming, called Bambi: The Reckoning, where <laughs> now little Bambi is going through the woods and murdering humans who he holds responsible for murdering uh, his mother. So, and I'm sure there's going to be more. I'm sure we're going to see probably a spoof of the Teletubbies going around and ripping off children's heads in their sleep. We're going to find we're going to see a spoof of Mister Rogers. Where he ain't so friendly. He actually, I don't know, drinks your pet's blood. I don't know. But these things are coming. Now, as far as is it protected, it's 100% protected. Uh, This movie is clearly protected as a spoof. They can get away with this. The one question that you brought up there, Jonathan, about how identical the mask looks to the one in there, I'm sure that's something their their lawyer would have cleared and they would have made sure of. Otherwise, you'd think. You'd think. You'd think. They better have. I mean, even I would know to check on that. So I'm sure they probably did, too. So I am still have not seen Blood and Honey. Uh, Taylor, have Blood and Honey screened anywhere yet? February 15th. February 15th. <laughs> you one night only. only. <laughs> you night only. T- Taylor's already got tickets. So I don't care. I'm going to look forward to this. Rob, did you see the trailer for this? And if no, so, what did you think I did of it?
1: watch the trailer for this. And I have to say, I mean, it's pretty dubious because remember, that does look kind of scary. We did just see a movie, the Joker film. There was a Joker movie like that was going to play, I don't know if it was Fantastic Fest, that got shut down at Toronto. Was it Toronto? And they couldn't show it. Now, the Dr. Seuss estate just went through a litigation for a parody book called Oh, The Places You'll Boldly Go, mm. which was sort of a Star Trek, Dr. Seuss mashup. Um, so they're litigious. And and rightfully so, because here's here's the thing about this kind of thing. You, you have to ask yourself. There's one thing it's parody, uh, y- you know, it's it's a fine line with something like this, because that mask, that's pretty redolent of the character. And I don't know. I mean, I think actually this is a funny idea. Like I like that. I like you. I'd, I'd watch this movie. Um, and if they make it like Terrifier 2 and it's just hideously violent it's even better but it stars the guy who's playing
0: the Grinch is from Terrifier
1: yeah, 2 by the way and it's i don't know i mean uh, it'll be interesting to see if it's able to be released i mean isn't Winnie the Pooh in the public domain
0: though yes Winnie the Pooh is, so they don't even have to worry about satire
1: yeah so i don't know if if Dr
2: Seuss is in the public domain i don't I don't think, think, it think is, so but it either. Doesn't
0: necessarily need to be.
2: No, it's true. I, I know. Mean, I mean, look, they made Edward Penis Hands for God's sakes, <laughs> a pro, so they can, they can make, they can make this movie. But I also like the. I actually think you know where I think these these movies came from. I don't necessarily think it was people dressing up in the garage. I think it was people from. I remember when we were back in the day, whether it was AMC or Collider, and we were looking at people were making trailers. Of original properties that were Winnie the Pooh, whatever, to and making them as horror films, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. People, That's true, and that yeah. was, and they went viral, like that and, Mrs. Doubtfire one, right? There was oh, I remember da- that right. one. There was yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire. There was all these different like childhood ones that were done as horror films, and they went viral, and everybody was looking at them. And I bet you somebody watched them and said, "What do we really do this?" You know, yeah. and then they do, and they do it with Winnie the Pooh. They do it with this. Um, I am gonna be the <laughs> Grinch in the room. And say like, and and I understand. You guys think it looks clever and looks funny and everything to it. I I get it. Now, when you say you guys, but I'm I'm just saying, from, from <laughs> there's a lot of people out there that wanted to see. There's people talking about it. I'm the grouchy dad in the room, going, why Why are you tainting this? It's like for me, it's like, and I know there's people throwing tomatoes at the shut up, grandpa. But I, I I don't give a shit about this movie. This, I it really looks don't.
3: like you went on a coke binge. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I just I don't, I don't. You know what? It reminds me of also. But you bring up the parody stuff. It reminds me of Brightburn from yeah. was clearly Superman, clearly, but they couldn't say it. We had the director on back in the day, and we'd ask him. You could tell he was prepped by, 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 by the, the studio. <laughs> Do not ever mention Superman. Eh, you know, it could be anybody. They clearly, in the writer's room it's superman you know james gunn produced it it's superman but they couldn't say it because legalities and certain things you see the movie it's evil superman so there's ways to do it and get around it but i think i agree with you guys the biggest concern is that looks like the ground whoop there it goes
0: yeah it does yeah oh well guys question is for you what do you think about this Uh, i'm actually quite intrigued by this project to see how it turns out it's clearly low budget it's a pretty good looking outfit though On the guy
2: 80 million dollars
0: $80 million dollars <laughs> just one fifth of yeah. what james cameron yeah.
2: spent it's like the monster
0: avatar guys questions for you how do you feel about it do you like the the images you seeing did you see the trailer did you enjoy it? maybe you think it's a total waste whatever you guys think jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts all right guys with that down let's move into main topic number four rob what is our fourth main topic today?
1: John, our fourth main topic comes to us from Aaron T. Hey, John and crew. I read an article talking about the original script for Wakanda Forever was altered after the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. I was surprised to hear how much of it didn't actually change, according to Ryan Coogler. I guess Namor and the basics of the story were still the same, dealing with loss and grief, just about different things. Did you have a chance to read
0: this, and how well do you think Coogler handled the situation? Thanks. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Let's start with that last part. How well did Ryan Coogler deal with the situation? I will never fully grasp the the enormity of the task, both creatively and emotionally, that filmmakers say behind Fast 7 and Black Panther 2, how they did it you know, when Paul Walker dies halfway through production or more than halfway through production of the fast and furious, how do you emotionally recover from that? And then still find a way to bring everybody back together. Everybody loved him. And you bring everybody back together and try to finish that movie out. Black Panther was in a little bit of a different situation. They hadn't already started production, but you know, Ryan Coogler had already started putting the movie together. He was writing the script and you lose Chadwick Boseman, who is the heartbeat of, of that franchise and everybody. He was beloved by everybody he worked with. And how do you from a production, creative and emotional point of view, how do you bring everybody back together and move forward? What type of job? How well do I think Ryan Coogler handled it? Titan like like an absolute Titan. Uh, it's unbelievable th- what these guys were able to to pull off and accomplish. It's remarkable. Did he do some things in the movie that I think should have been done differently? Yes. Could I have done it better? Hell no. Could most people have done better? Hell no. What he did was incredible. Uh, But yeah, there was an interview that was done. uh, And the interview was actually a couple of weeks ago, but it didn't really get traction until the last couple of days. Where Ryan Coogler was explaining that he was already, he had his initial script for Black Panther 2, and then, of course, the passing of Chadwick Boseman. What changed? What stayed the same? This comes to us from the folks over at Inverse, who wrote the following. Kugler says the tone was going to be similar. Kugler says the character was going to be grieving the loss of time, you know, coming back after being gone for five years as a man with so much responsibility to so many coming back after a forced five year absence. That's what the film was tackling. He was grieving time and couldn't get that. He couldn't get back. Grief was a big part of it. After Bozeman died, Kugler worked with co-writer Joe Robert Cole to draft a new story. While the plot and the protagonist changed, there were still elements of Wakanda forever left from Kugler's original script. Namor, the Submariner played uh, by Tenoch Huerta, was always the antagonist. The article goes on and talks a lot of things. So these key foundational themes, when you get into black Panther or Wakanda forever, you have Shuri who's wrestling with grief and doubt and direction with all that kind of stuff. And, how that all plays with the the inclusion of Talocan and Namor. In the original script, the more I read the, the interview, it was surprisingly similar. It's just that it was going to be T'Challa, who not grieving the loss of any one person, but was rather grieving the loss of that. He missed five years of, you know, all these people's lives and all this kind of stuff. He missed so much of it. And he's going to be dealing with that. We still had Talocan. I'm sure the basic structure of a device was going to be the heart of, you know, Talocan being upset that Wakanda exposed Talocan and all that, all that kind of stuff. So it was really neat to see what they did there. And what they did was very creatively say, take those themes and just transmute them from T'Challa's character into another character. Again, I don't agree with the choice of which character they tr- transmuted that to, but it was done effectively well. It was done very, very well. Because I'll tell you what, watching that movie, I never once felt like this was a movie, you know, you, you watch Justice League, the theatrical version of Justice League. And while I enjoyed watching that movie in theater, you could tell this is a hodgepodge of different visions and different things trying to be crammed together in one movie. When I watched Black Panther Wakanda Forever, while I didn't completely love it, it felt like a pure original film. It never for a second to me felt like it was a movie that was being patched together or updated from a previous script before right. Chadwick had died. So yeah, I was really surprised to read how much of it was truly similar, how, how the bones of that original script were able to be transferred over. And when I read that, then I really respected what Kugler was able to do there. Anyway, Christian, you read this article, you see the similarities that he was able to bring over. It must have been emotionally incredibly difficult to take these themes that you wrote for chadwick and now moving them and now instead of grieving time we're actually grieving chadwick what do you make of this and how well do you think ryan coogler managed that
2: masterfully i mean absolutely masterfully the, 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 very similar to, to what you just expressed i think that one of the things that you had mentioned inside of the ironically the time as he mentioned i think that that's what makes this so um spectacular also this story is the amount of time he had to do this. Yeah. He didn't have that much time. They announced it he had written the one that was going to come out with Chadwick. Chadwick then Chadwick went, you know, was diagnosed and then was obviously a lot of people knew in his circle but that disease is a, it's it's a it's a bitch. It's a real pardon the French a real fucker and it took him fast. And they as you said, had to, had to grieve and then they had to work and they had to put it all together in a way that it all made sense and taking, it makes a ton of sense that you're looking at it and you're going, okay, w- w- this is what I have here, because not only are you trying to piece together the stuff that's obviously going to make sense, you also have to do it in a way that you're paying respect and that you're doing it in a way that you're not, I you want to do it in a way that you're honoring you, the person that you love. In the way that you'd listen to the conversations that they had. Those this is a real love that they had, not just between Kugler and, and Bozeman, but between Bozeman and the entire cast. So putting that all together, making sure it all works, and I agree with you, there's a lot of stuff inside of that script and inside of the movie that I think could have been cut wasn't necessary, but I, I echo exactly what you said. Could I have done any better? No. Could a lot of people have done any better? No, he did a great job for what he did in the amount of time. It's That's the main thing. What people don't take into account if you had your grievances with that script, think about the amount of time that he had to do it, get it shot, get it in the theater. Because remember, when when Black Panther, the, the trailer dropped, the first one, Wakanda Forever, when it dropped, everybody before that was like, Where is the trailer? We haven't heard. This movie's supposed to come out in November? Nobody's saying that. Nobody remembers that now, but everybody was saying,
0: where is this? We haven't even seen it. The first trailer drops, nobody even said, Oh, this is gonna be there was like this is amazing. It was so good yeah. that trailer. Rob, you, you read through this article. I, I mean, obviously it, it paints the movie in a little bit of a different light now as well. What did you take away from this?
1: Well, I mean, it, it, look, I think that hearing this, it's clear what what the original draft would have been. What did he miss? There's a significant story point in this movie yeah. about what he would have missed, and that would have been fascinating. To see what, what would that have meant on a number of different levels. And I think that, and, and dealing with the, the blip even, and, and it would have been fascinating to look at. But I think, bar that said, he did, like you said, a phenomenal job restructuring the script and still making it relevant. I mean, there's been a lot of criticism that this movie has then focused on the women, which I thought was Great. I thought it was a great example because you're dealing with mothers and daughters and siblings and friends and lovers and all of that. Like it could have been anybody, but what does it mean when somebody that is the central focus of all of these different people's lives in different ways? What what happens when they're absent? You know, uh Koye, what does it mean when your leader is gone? You know, mm-hmm. you're protecting the throne when the throne is left empty. What happens when your brother, who is your confidant, is gone. What happens when your son? You've lost your mother that loses a child. I mean, this turned the film into something different, but I think very, very relevant. And you know, if you look at Phase Four, family and what family means has been a ongoing theme through the entire Phase Four, and I don't think ever so well illustrated as it does yeah. in this film. Family and loss in Phase Four. Yeah, that's right. I mean. Yeah, family yeah. and loss, and and. You know, it's something that started in, in Phase 3 with Guardians 2 even, with, with the broken families, with Ego and Nebula and Thanos and, and, and um, Gamora. I, I really think that what Ryan Cougar had to do, it was forced upon him because of the situation. The man rose up and created something that might not have been what he wanted to do at first, but certainly is worthy of everybody involved. And And serves the memory of Chad Bozeman. Is it true it's his birthday today?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been Chadwick Bozeman's birthday today. Wow.
1: I mean what a what a great honor to have this movie in the theater to honor the memory of what
0: he meant to so many people I'll tell you what one of the interesting things reading this article did for me because for those of you who watch the show regularly, you know that I am staunchly in the camp that t'challa should have still been the main character in this movie and they should have recast. I, I thought that was the better way to honor Chadwick Boseman. I thought that was the better way to continue the staunch thing. That I, think. I will say this reading this article, it gives me a deeper, not the words, not sympathy, but maybe understanding of if you're Ch- if you're Ryan Coogler and you've developed this script, that's dealing with grief and loss as it was before the, and now Chadwick Boseman dies and now you got to remake this new one. I'm, I'm trying to think of that through the, the lenses of the eyes of of Ryan Kugler of how do you proceed making a movie about grief and loss with somebody else standing in the shoes of right. Chadwick Boseman? And listen, what while I am still basically in the camp that I thought it would have been better for the film for them to use T'Challa as the main character and, and to recast him... You know, i I tell you what, this does give me a little bit of a different perspective to think, oh, Mike, I mean, it already would have been very, very hard. But understanding now where this movie was and what it was trying to be, it would have been maybe emotionally debilitating, I think, for maybe a Ryan Cooper or but, somebody else to and, take those themes and just recast. And how hard would have been for that actor that got recast? There would have been a, a situ- no-win situation. In a
2: situation like that, but from not from the audience perspective, but inside of that, trying to come into that, with everybody dealing with that loss and this was if you look at the performances it was very therapeutic for these actors and for and for everybody imagine being recast so you, you come into that atmosphere and I'm not saying whether or not it should have or shouldn't have I'm just saying imagine the situation that is not easy to do it's hard enough joining a sequel in general yeah or joining a cast of a show in season two or season three, replacing the lead after a passing in a
0: situation like that, I don't think people will understand how difficult that would have been. Oh, yeah. No, it would have been extremely, extremely difficult at the same time. Anyway, guys, question is for you. How do you feel about this? Like finding out about what the movie was going to be before the tragic passing of Chadwick Boseman. Does it change your perception? It does for me a little bit of the movie that we ended up getting. Does it change your perception of how Herculean the task was even just to get it made? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number five here, shall we? Rob, what is our fifth main topic today? John, our fifth main topic comes from Fifi.
1: Hey, gang. Today I woke up to the news that Legendary has signed a distribution contract with Sony, moving away from Warner Brothers. This was a possibility under the old regime, but I thought that David Zaslav worked his magic to retain them as partners. While Dune Part 2 will be distributed by Warner Brothers still, what does this mean for the studio
0: moving forward? Thanks, Have a great one. All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, Fifi. Yeah, this news broke shortly after the John Campbell Show ended yesterday. And listen, I know not, it's talking about the inside baseball stuff is not the sexiest thing in the world. This is seismic. This is huge. Legendary has made some of the biggest box office hits, some of the most popular movies over the last decade or so. And they have been staunchly, you know, at Warner Brothers. They went over to Universal for a spell, went back to Warner Brothers. They did kong versus godzilla they did dune you know, all that kind of stuff and now they have pulled up the stakes and they have moved over to sony from warner brothers now this is not surprising uh this is the stupidest move i think in hollywood executive history when jason Kalar, then head of warner brothers decided to pull a fast one on everybody and just announce, without consulting anybody that they were going to take all their movies in 2021 and throw them all on HBO max, which more than anybody else came as a big surprise to legendary pictures who financed all the big things and had deals with them and were given no heads up that day. That is the day. It wasn't yesterday when the announcement came out. That was the day that the bridge between legendary and Warner brothers was burned and burn permanently and you knew they weren't going to come back after that now with david Zaslav and a new ownership coming in over warner brothers i think you were on the show that day you know i said it's going to be a really key moment here zaslav has got to be able to pull out some magic here and show that you can be the one to rebuild that bridge you got to be the one to keep them in the stable and we knew it was going to be a tall order he wasn't able to do it And they've pulled up stakes and they've now moved over. This comes to us from the folks over at the Hollywood Reporter who said the following. The legendary deal, uh, legendary was the lead producer on two of the biggest hits of the pandemic, Dune and Godzilla vs. Kong. But the relationship with Warner Brothers grew strained when former Warner Media Chief Jason Collar didn't loop in legendary when they abruptly announcing it was sending all of its 2021 theatrical titles simultaneously to HBO Max. Sony's commitment to theatrical distribution aligns with our vision of how to best derive the most value for Legendary's movies, said Legendary CEO Joshua Grode. The incredible slate of movies that uh, Mary Patton has amassed are built for the theatrical experience, and we are excited about our partnership with Sony for this next phase of Legendary's growth. We are also grateful to Warner Brothers Pictures, who has been a valuable partner to Legendary over many years, and we look forward to continuing our work with the talented executives at Warner and Discovery. So it's done. And the very nice, nice statement saying, but there's something in there that was really key. And that was we love Sony because they are dedicated to the, to the theatrical experience. Rob, we were at Cinemacon this year when the head of Sony Pictures got up and just they boasted. Hey guys, we are about theaters that. That's our movies. We make our movies for movie theaters while everybody else is trying to figure out, can we just make them for streaming and all this kind of stuff? Now I talked to a senior person at another studio this morning, at least I text message with them and their perspective on this is from what they heard, the defining thing Because apparently Warner brothers made a big push to try to keep legendary, but that the defining breaking point was simply this. Sony doesn't have a streaming platform and they simply did not feel safe going with either Warner brothers who still even under Zaslav, they have a big priority with HBO max as they should, or another outlet that did legendary is not about that. They want to make sure that whatever partner they were going to have was laser focused on the theatrical distribution of these films and how to best get them out to their audiences. And for them, apparently Sony not even having their own streaming platform was a huge selling point for them. So again, either way, it, it's, it's unfortunate that Zaslav was not able to rebuild that bridge that Kalar burned. Uh, but from Legendary's point of view, I can see, and I'll tell you what, this is a huge win for Sony. Massive. This is a big, big win for Sony. Christian, you've been following this very mm-hmm. closely. We've talked about this before. What's your takeaway from this?
2: The take is that Mary Parent was very smart in how she played this. From the get go, when she started having the conversations, that's probably ultimately if you go and have these conversations, you'll probably find out it was those initial conversations. I agree thoroughly that because they were so pissed off of the way that that was handled right away, they're like, screw this. Once well, we're lawsuits out,
0: lawsuits were brought up. Yeah. yeah.
2: And they're like, screw this. Once we're out, we're out. And while the leadership was still not changed, and then they started getting on phone calls, making the preliminary calls, probably gotten to really nice phone calls with Mary a bunch of different times, Who then they started to form this relationship throughout it. Then Zasloff might've just come in too late because when he comes in, they're like, okay, yeah, this guy's not bad, but we really got a good thing now going with Mary. And yeah. she's really set this up. We've been talking to her now for six months, seven months, and she's saying the right things. And as you said, they don't have a streaming platform. And we don't have to risk this. My question is, I know that they said Dune 2 is going to be released by Warner Rose. So what about the TV show? Because a TV show that's still HBO Max. It's, it's HBO Max. Okay, so anything yeah. Dune related is HBO. Is yeah. So Warner all the pro-
0: all the properties they've already started with Warner Brothers. Those they, those, stay. those agreements which still which makes so wait, Godzilla versus Kong all Doom, makes sense.
2: Will still be Warner, Brothers. but it's a question now of the the stuff that they produce in the in the future. This is something that Sony needed. It's something that Paramount should have gotten to the game or, or Universal should have gotten yeah, to the game because of the streaming. Um, but either way, Sony, massive win for Sony. This is going to be really big for them. Legendary has proven over the course of the last 15, 20 years to be a real uh, player. So, uh, But... It's not to say that one day Sony's not going to create a streaming service. They might not have one now. But
0: you, <laughs> but, or acquire a pre-existing one? A hundred
2: percent. But as of right now, I see the move, but I do think that everyone talks about Zaslav. Everybody talks about Iger. Mary Parent made a big move here. Yeah. Massive move. And she should start being in that conversation with, like, this is what a really good executive does. Start laying the groundwork. This, this, this was not something to say, oh, hey, why don't you come hang out with us? She's been working on this
0: deal for a while, and she got it done. Rob, when you're talking about legendary now, this is a this is kind of a double win for them because while they get to now move go to a new house that has uh, makes them a higher priority, they still get to make their Dune movies and their Godzilla movies and stuff like that with Warner. It's a good day for them, but uh, like Christian was saying, huge day for Sony, a, a, a studio that's done pretty well since the pandemic sort of started. Them and Paramount have kind of really made names for themselves. You're right. Her name's got to be up there now. What's your takeaway from this?
1: Well, the thing that people have to remember, Legendary brings money. A lot of money. They, yeah, they're a, a co-financing company here. So it's, they're not just, when they say co-producers, what they really mean is they're paying for these movies.
0: And they're a full production house now, too. They,
1: they are. But, I mean, if you look at places like Paramount has, when Larry Ellison gave his kids money, he gave David Ellison and Megan Ellison money. Megan Ellison formed Annapurna. David Ellison formed Skydance. And if you look at skydance is basically the de facto production company for paramount's movies top gun mission impossible star trek it's always it's it's always skydance sony just has a nice producing partner now that has deep deep ties into the chinese market because legendary has carved out distribution for themselves in the chinese market and deep deep pockets and deep deep pockets so what sony has got and sony they're committed to the theatrical experience and then exploiting they've got playstation 5 you know you make you make your video games, you do all these things, and they've got access now if Legendary wants to make PlayStation Red Dead Redemption movie, brought to yeah. you by Legendary, whatever the hell they mm-hmm. want to do. I mean, it's, it's an incredible point. move, and now Warner Brothers does not have that producing partner. And those movies that Legendary produced, I mean, I was working with those guys when John Jashney and Thomas Tull started the company back on Superman Returns, back when they, they were going to have a sword for their logo this was much better um the the it, they were a great company and wa- losing that money means warner brothers then now has to find that money to make their dc movies because legendary was producing all of the dc eu films i think for the most part pacific rim the monsterverse all of these very big budget tentpole movies legendary was like where are they going to get that money now so warner brothers I mean, I'm sure Warner Brothers knew this was coming, so they figured out ways. And, of mm-hmm. course, Zaslav's probably figured out ways to finance He knew right. it was
2: probably a long shot. Yeah,
1: it was. Yeah. But, but still, Sony's like,
0: like you said, married parents, like, uh-huh. Well, let's get started, boys. What are we going to make? Rob, you touched on something that I think could be maybe the most exciting thing for them. Because, Christian, one of the things Rob was saying about, and we've overlooked this, they now have their own division at Sony for making their PlayStation games. Yep into movies yep. into into tv shows and now you've got a partner like legendary that can get behind things like i mean a god of war thing is all but mm-hmm. a god of war or these other properties that they have now all of a sudden these projects can have legendary behind them i mean how significant is that for that whole subdivision
2: massive and they might not have streaming you know uh, a streaming service but they're still making stuff for netflix and they're still making yep. other things too well. that they could you just said it they can make people they can make stuff for everybody they can make stuff for everybody so that's that's the that's the thing and that's probably another reason not just because of the theatrical they're not beholden to one specific platform they can sell it to wherever they want to go now make shows make stuff throughout the video games do whatever they want to do and have the budgets that rob was just talking about but it's it's absolutely they have this this catalog of stuff from the past and the future and the stuff that's coming up now the future and the this, this is this is one of the biggest wins for Sony and, and for Mary Parent thus far. And non- for
0: Legendary, I was going to say for Legendary 2 because you brought it up. I want to touch on it here. For Legendary 2, I think Legendary is probably looking at that Sony deal and they're saying, Legendary Pictures presents Red Dead Redemption yeah, movie? I course. mean, they got to be salivating at opportunities She's probably like been pitching now. this stuff since the beginning of you're, these conversations. You're probably right, yeah. Like, it's, like, look, it's thinking about on
2: the conversation that she's having with them to say... Look, I understand you're unhappy. These are the things that we think Sony can bring to you. We have this. We have this available. You'll be able to do this. This is stuff that was being set up throughout because they're going to have this contemplation. If you're sitting down, you have a business, and you're like, all right, Warner Brothers wants to keep us. Other places have some pitches, but Sony's really got the sweet deal. What's Sony offering? She's been pitching stuff for them to have for months. Yeah. For months. That's why they left because of the, what she has been, she knew she, this is a massive deal for her. Sweeten the pot. Do what you can do. Show everything that you have and deliver and and they're going to what does it mean for spider-man are they well have that's to what i was Spider-Man? gonna say yeah. i mean
1: legendary is like hey guess what disney <laughs> oh my god can you imagine a legendary getting involved with <laughs> spider-man i, I mean yeah. then and why would not they and they're, gonna, they're gonna co-produce legendary i bet you a million dollars that they're going to co-produce the next Spider-Man. yeah what's kevin feige going right now hey let me talk to legendary you Yeah, know what I, I mean, mean so, uh, yeah because disney like Hey, we lost four billion dollars on streaming. Yeah. We don't have, you know, bar banks. We're not. Our positions changed a little bit. Mm. Legendary is like, hey, guess what? We want to have, you know, what we're, you know, what we've been doing for the last fifteen years, producing superhero movies.
0: But even beyond Spider Man, now you're talking about the Spider Man connected universe too, right. like the stuff oh. like and whatever. The other characters you want to bring now, you put legendary yep. on those. It's this is a massive deal. Is, is this again? I understand for a lot of film fans, we care about who are the actors. You know what? Yeah. But, but believe me, this is potentially very exciting.
1: And also, legendary can go to the Chinese market, guarantee releases. Yeah,
0: they've they've got a lot more ins there too. All right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? Legendary has jumped ship. They've gone over. I mean. Just like a bad STD, the Jason Collar just keeps giving and ruining things for you a year later. But uh, he's, they, Legendary has left Warner Brothers now. They've landed at Sony. I think Christian's right. This is a huge, huge deal for Sony. How do you guys think about this? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down in the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys, with that all down, now it's time for us to hear from you. What are your thoughts, theories, opinions, and questions? We are now opening up the Super Chats. If you've got them, firing them on in right now. Again, get them in quickly. We only leave them open for a couple of minutes, and we will address those here in the next part of the show. But before we get to that, we want to take a second and thank the main sponsor of our show, my mobile service provider, Ryan Reynolds' Mint Mobile. Guys, we want to thank a sponsor of today's video, Mint Mobile. This holiday season, the best deal in wireless can only be found at Mint Mobile. Right now, when you switch to Mint Mobile and buy any three-month plan, you'll get another three months free. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order and activate from home with eSIM, while saving tons on phone plans starting at just $15 a month. Guys, you know I've been using Mint Mobile long before this holiday deal, and I have to say, it is the perfect time to switch. Since I I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been spending one third of what I used to spend on my mobile service with the other big name company. And with this buy three months, get three months free, not only is it a great choice for you, but it makes great gifts for the people you love. Mint Mobile's best offer of the year is here. By going online only and with eSIM and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes those significant savings onto you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and switch easily and effortlessly with eSIM. Or if you need a new device, for a limited time, get six months of free service when you buy a selected device and plan. So guys, for a limited time, buy any three-month Mint Mobile plan and get three more months free by going to mintmobile.com campia. That's mintmobile.com campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode of The John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's now turn it over to you and hear from you guys. Rob, what are people super chatting in here?
1: John, Bond (laughs) is here. Do you have any movie that you would like to see remade into a Star Wars movie? Mine is Where Eagles Dare. That's actually not a bad choice.
0: Movies that could be remade with a Star Wars skin on it. I mean, you know, after watching Andor, this is going to go back. Iron Eagle. Great
2: movie.
0: Iron Eagle with Louis Gossett Jr. Great movie. <laughs> of course, the, the Top Gun ripoff of the era, but I, if you look at the story of that, the idea of, you know, but X-Wing fighter pilots instead. I think Iron Eagle could be remade into a Who is he movie. listening
3: to in the cockpit?
0: What's that? Who is Jedi. he listening to? Oh, he's listening to Max Rebo. Okay. In the cockpit, of course. Oh, Not Jedi right, Rocks. Right what, have uh, you got one that you think could be re-skinned into a Star Wars movie? Well,
2: I mean, the first thing I I, I think of is, be, you know, it's what you always hear of, it's Die Hard on a boat. Well, it's Die Hard in Star Wars, right? Like, Die <laughs> oh, yeah. Hard in Star Wars would be interesting, you know, whether, and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, because I think a Jedi being trapped inside, like, I think if you go, every answer I have is always old Republic stuff. Right. If a Jedi is trapped inside of it, like, because remember, the Sith, before they were rule of two, there were many. Yeah. A Jedi trapped in like you know with a with a Sith takeover somewhere and has to fight his way out all the way through be kind of interesting. I
0: like it, Rob. What if they finally made Star Trek good, and you remade Star (laughs) Trek into Star Wars and said like (laughs) the Federation was actually the Republic fleet? Do you not like everything Star Star Trek?
1: No, 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 no. I I I, I would okay. To be serious, honestly, I like your idea. What if you made Lawrence of Arabia but Lawrence was a Sith? Hmm.
0: Oh, that'd be cool. Oh. I like that.
1: There you go. I like that a lot. All right, what's next? Uh, quality Not Included says, See the new movie poster for Universal's Cocaine yeah. Bear? I did. Yep. Directed by Elizabeth Banks. Produced by Lord Miller. Inspired by True Events. Will release February 2023.
0: I think when they first... Were, were we not still at Clyder when they first announced this movie? Maybe. I thought I remember... I mean, this was years, years ago yeah, that yeah, they it announced sense. this, right? Yeah. And now it's finally, yeah, the The poster... Is the reason to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> this bear just with the cocaine. It's It
2: seems like an insane movie considering that it really happened. That's yeah. that's the cell. The cell is like because if you if you just say it's about a bear that did a lot of cocaine, and you're like, oh okay, it's the same guys that did uh, the the mean one, and you're like, no, no, no. This actually happened. It's really based on a true story. That is what's fascinating to me. I didn't realize I think that I did and and then remembered that Elizabeth Banks. Directed it, so I'm I'm very curious about this one. Yeah, it'll yeah. be
0: interesting to see how this goes. All right, Say hello that? to my little cub.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Dad jokes. All right. Gabriel said, "Will Riverdale be in Secret Wars?" It, Riverdale is Secret Wars. What are you talking about? That's it's going to be place. all part of that. All right. What's next? Uh, a
1: sit loud says, "Yo, Rob and Ray." So I decided to give for all mankind a chance, and yo, I am hooked. That first episode had me shocked and oddly upset. This is a
0: fantastic show. Yes, it it is. Don't spoil it. This is one of the rare things. I still, especially as a series, considering how short your attention span is, I cannot believe. He's already asleep. (laughs) He's already asleep. I can't believe you got through it. (laughs) I forgot what we were talking about. (laughs) So good.
3: It's so good.
0: All right. What's next? Uh, Al Renshaw
1: says, what's Christian's thoughts on the Marvel DC crossover Santa idea that
0: John proposed yesterday? I would love to see that come to life. Okay, so, ever, especially since James Gunn took over, a lot of people have been asking, "Okay, now can we get the DC Marvel crossover?" Saying that's not going to happen, but, but I can't remember what sparked the idea. A holiday that was, it was the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. holiday special. Wait, like, wait a minute, you make it outside of canon, you do it like a holiday special one year, and Santa goes across all the realities and has to because the Heat Miser has returned with his minions of evil and santa has to go and recruit heroes from different dimensions and he gets dc heroes and marvel heroes and they all have to team up with santa claus to fight the heat monster and his little fire monsters do, do you green light it what <laughs> probably, do you think probably not <laughs> come on but, that's like the but, ultimate holiday special but
2: either, i think that uh, i like I'm, I'm with you guys on i wasn't expecting much on that guardians holiday special at all i was expecting it, nothing it it <laughs> turned out to be so charming and I really enjoyed it a lot and I only don't know how much you can capture that kind of lightning in a bottle right so um, the crossover idea between Marvel and DC I think it's more realistic inside of two studios figuring it out more so than it is having the fans of both franchises accept it yeah. that's that's the difference it's not it's not the, like is it's more possible that two studios go okay look let's figure out a deal and we'll do one big movie but then watching all of the, the, the two fan bases, it's like watching Red Sox and Yankee fans going after each other and imagining you know, that they're going to mix and match two Yankees and Red Sox teams. Can you imagine, though? Okay, here's the thing. I don't know how they
1: would do it. All I can see is that in this holiday special, what if Superman and Captain America exchange gifts?
2: That's your image. It would, it, it would image. be amazing.
1: That's your image. You just amazing. have them both handing each other
2: presents. It'd be a lot of fun to watch, but it's just and and the amount of money though that it would cost to produce that special and not get a theatrical return on it. There's no way they your would. Favorite ever do
1: nations. It. Okay, it's, it's like, on stream.
2: They they, they they it's a cross
1: promotion between streaming platforms, and
2: then it goes to legendary. Okay, but sodas.
0: but what if what if what if before he went in the ice, Steve Rogers uh, had a girlfriend she got pregnant mm-hmm. and then he but before they could get married or anything he goes in the ice america. <laughs> and her her name was elizabeth kent oh uh, and she has a son named jonathan
3: well and jonathan i like
0: i like that name. turns out superman and captain america are grandfather and grandson you're a bold man i'm just i'm just i'm printing you money guys come on <laughs> i'm printing you money all right what's next
1: Uh, Jedediah Elias says, I decided to listen to the God of War Ragnarok score earlier today, since I've heard so many great things. One of the best
0: I've ever experienced. Guess I know what I'm asking Santa for, for Chris. I watched the 15 hour cutscene movie of God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. Okay. And I was so taken. I never even noticed the music to be honest with you. And, but sometimes that is like the ultimate compliment you can give to the score because it just immerses you into what you're watching. I really loved it. I'm going to have to do what you just said. I'm going to have to sit down and actually just listen to the soundtrack because everybody's raving about it. I'm going to have to do that. All right, what's next?
1: Uh, Jedediah Elias says, oh, we just oh, nope. one, Seconds yeah. from Disaster, says Nate Moore told E-Man in an interview it was too soon to come in every day and sing someone else in place of Chadwick. E-Man I, is the guy that uh, was the beginning of the recast of Chal. Yeah,
0: I, and listen, I... I I still believe they should have done that. I, I still believe they should have recast him. But especially after reading that article in that interview with him, um, it does put it in a little bit of a different perspective for me. And and I am, while well, I've always understood it because their their basis for making the decision to not recast T'Challa was, was based on what they felt was the most respectful and best way to move forward. I disagreed, but I respected it. I now have more sympathy for it too. Like now I can like, you know, I still would have made a different decision, but I really see where you're coming from. That, that does make a lot of sense. So I get it. All right. What's next?
1: Uh, uh, Jai CSC says might be tough one to answer, but if a theoretical MCU Hulk movie released, how would the gross
0: earnings be split between universal and Marvel Disney? It would be the same thing of any production studio and distribution company at all. So it'd be the exact same way. like, a lot of times, some of the bigger movies that are put out today, the production company is the same as the distribution company, but but there are a lot of films that are not that way. The traditional model is you have a studio that makes a movie and then a distributor that distributes it, so it would be handled the exact same way as any other like film. like Sony,
2: right? Like how yeah. Sony handles spider
0: Exactly, which is exactly why Disney does not want to make a Hulk movie because yeah. they don't want to split that out. They want to distribute their own films. All right, what's next?
1: Jim O. Matooine says, I can see the next spin spinoffs. Horton slaughters a who <laughs> the sneeches who got stitches, one fish, two fish, red fish. You sleep with the fish.
0: I love it. <laughs> now we're going to. OK, now now what you've done is the entire chop board is going to be now just overflowed with uh, with people coming up with alternative Dr. Zeus wow. horror Dr. Zeus things. OK, green eggs and ham. I, I don't was going to say hands, green, green eggs and hands, green eggs and hands. I love it. <laughs> All right. Why are those eggs green? All right. What's next?
1: Jim One says, I'm doing a Bond marathon, and the more times I watch Octopussy, the more I think it's underrated. It's now one of my favorite in the series. Am I crazy? No. I like Octopussy. I do, too. Especially, I mean, Kamal Khan is cool. Octopussy yourself is cool. There's, a, there's, there's Q comes in in a hot air balloon, and you have an army of female ninjas fighting dudes. Come on. What's not
0: that- club? By the way, oh, let's go ahead, Jonathan. What are
1: you
3: saying? I was going to say that was the first Bond movie I ever saw because my parents owned it on VHS in the 80s. That so. is
0: also the first Bond movie I ever saw. Really? Yep. Nice. Um, by the way, side note, Robert and I were talking about this. Actually, I texted Rob last night about this and we talked a little bit about yeah. that morning. I came across this theory. Now, I think a lot of us have thought this at one point, but I came across this theory. I don't know if you saw this, Christian. One of my favorite Michael Bay movies is The Rock. I love that movie. Sure. The theory that Sean Connery's character is in The Rock oh. is actually James Bond. And I, I stumbled across this video on YouTube yesterday. I can't remember the name of it. But it was literally like a 20-minute video that very methodically broke down with historical details and everything. Uh, and they said at the beginning of the video, look, I know this sounds like a, just a fan theory. But by the end of this, I think I'm going to have you convinced. I'm like, all right. And i watched it and i texted rob and as soon as i was done watching i'm like sean connery's character in the rock was yeah. james bond didn't they tease that to like back in when it came out it was there everybody was, was little talking whispers about, that. Yeah. about yeah that, right and i think one of the writers even kind of implied it yeah. once but after watching that video last night i'm like no you've got me a hundred percent convinced that sean connery in the rock was actually james bond You're best <laughs> that's one of the greatest lines in cinematic history by the way and i'm like go watch that video i think you're gonna be kick out i always it's thought it's a great was. video
1: because yeah. like, i watch it like over the weekend well, too they, and tease,
2: they tease it when they're first prepping him when they're talking about him and what he's done in like ex what, asian or whatever agent or whatever yeah, I can't yeah what did they was. called the
0: sas or something, something like, like
2: that. that but yeah uh loved it all right what's
1: next you're the man now dog <laughs> uh, ben raider says best tom hanks co-star bill paxton from apollo 13 stanley tucci from the terminal or Wilson. I was about from to Castaway. say Wilson.
0: I vote for Wilson. That ball got snubbed. Listen, don't laugh. The thing, the reason why I would say you seriously have to take Wilson into consideration is, how many more emotional experience, more emotional experiences have you had than when that ball was just floating away yeah. from him in the ocean, like you, you really felt torn, like more torn up than when Lieutenant Dan had his legs blown off. I mean, I, I really felt it it was kind of crazy that way but i would have to go to his co-star in bosom buddies um which was didn't he die recently the guy the guy who was no 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 oh. he
1: was in he was in wasn't he in
3: uh oh
0: yeah i can't sure. really did. Sure. or maybe
1: sure. did he pass away recently
3: yeah i
0: don't, i don't know how i mean call you me talking me? About,
3: uh peter scolari yeah. was
0: that his name did he pass away or am i misremembering I that but his um meg ryan oh yeah meg, yeah Mm, by the story. way everybody uh, talks about a couple of their movies but for me joe vs. volcano <laughs> no everybody talks about that one <laughs> I, nobody talks about you've got mail yeah. I, I like you got, got mail really cute, i love that yeah. movie that movie's fantastic yeah. and it's still oddly relevant today even though the technology like nobody uses uh, what was it aol <laughs> nobody yeah. uses I, aol yeah. Did you know
2: that they were supposed to that tom hanks was offered harry met sally turned it down really i didn't know that until recently because i had I, we were, we watched um sleepers in seattle my wife and i and i was like I, why didn't they do harry mattel i love billy crystal but i'm sure why, why didn't he get offered and sure sure enough he did get offered and he turned it down
0: well it clearly worked pretty well with it billy did crystal. it did billy yeah. crystal was great yeah he all passed right. away
2: in 2021 wow he did okay. pop, yeah, you're okay, right. i thought yeah. i
0: remembered that all right what's
1: next uh uh brandon nezamuddin says have any of you watched Wednesday yet? I saw all eight episodes and it's wildly entertaining. Jenna
0: Ortega is phenomenal. I, things. I did not like X. I, I'm one of the few people I know who didn't like X, but I really liked her in it. And I didn't even realize when we saw the first couple of trailers that that was her. And so I have not watched Wednesday yet, but I was out on Saturday night. Uh, I, I needed to be uh, get together with somebody out of town and while I was out, Ann texted me, says, I'm watching Wednesday. You need to watch Wednesday. So, I Ann is three episodes in. She's now waiting for me to watch the three episodes as well so I can get caught up because she wants to watch it with me. But I know my wife is raving. Have you had a chance to check it out? No,
2: I've heard nothing but just amazing things about it. People have been raving about it.
0: All right, what's next?
1: Uh, we're going to, yeah, there we go. In my humble opinion, reviews says, these would be great. Bear in the Big Blue House of Horrors, Dora the Exterminator, The <laughs> Dark Magic School Bus.
0: I, I like that. That's pretty good. Somebody who's writing in the Blue's Clues needs oh, to be a no. murder mystery. Oh, man. Oh, no. Have some brutal killing and Blue's Clues has I like, to solve you know Dora the
1: Exterminator it could be like the old... James Glickenhouse, Robert Ginty, the exterminator, where she's there with a flamethrower and a motorcycle suit on. Dora, the body cavity explorer. Anyway, all right, what's next? I wasn't thinking that, but
0: <laughs> I mean, in a horror way, not a kinky right. way. Anyway, all right, what's next?
1: Wraith X7 says Have you guys heard that the Netflix series 1899 is accused of plagiarizing the Black Silence comic?
0: I, I did hear about that, but having not watched 1899, I, can't
1: I also know. watched a video on this. It does not. All right. Th- there are there are some similar ideas in it, but they did not play.
2: Yeah, I don't, movie. I don't, I don't take any merit into it until it's like until it's proven because people can accuse until prove it. And then I mean, the Black also-
1: Silence comic also takes things from other things. I mean, everything takes something. Yeah, from it. yeah, no. All right, what's next? Uh, Groovy don't play says the Grinch appears to be getting a wide release, not just in New York and L.A. for awards consideration. No regal is promoting it via their socials. no holidays
0: no is that real taylor you gotta fact check that is that if that's real i think that's glorious (laughs) i want i want to see this so bad now it's going to be so awful i can't wait all right what's next (laughs) be so awful
1: Uh, Casey Max says the first poster came out yesterday for Cocaine Bear. Yep, and the plot for this film sounds hilarious. I can't wait to see it in February.
0: Jonathan, want to pull up, see if you can find that poster? And we have so it looks like a a spin city City sequel. Just because everybody's talking about, just so you can see. Because I I looked at this this morning in my news feed. We didn't bother doing a story about it, but I mean, it's it's a perfect poster. Yeah, it really (laughs) is for for a movie that's titled that. Were you able to find a poster for that, Jonathan? Looking. All right, let's. We can come back to it a little bit it's later. later. Yeah. Oh, raise, raise, raise! Yeah. Points yeah, it out.
3: Say,
0: oh, yeah, right
3: here. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah, got
0: yeah. it. All right, let's just so people who so this thing we're talking about, people will know what we're uh, what we're kind of referencing here.
3: And everything froze on me. So oh, everything we'll froze. Okay, never
0: mind that. We'll, we'll, we'll when you get a chance, we'll come back to it later. There it is. Oh, there it is. Look at that. First of all, awesome. yeah. it looks a little bit like a Sin City post. I know. So, looks so, just, yeah. yeah, just like that. It, I mean. but it's. My God! Like I, I, you don't have to know anything about this movie. I'm just, I would just look at this poster and think, I want to watch this. Look
1: at all that wasted yayo! Come on, man!
0: It kind of looks like it would be made by the same people who made uh, The Grinch. Yeah, yeah, I know, right?
3: Speaking of another poster,
1: we that's... found
0: actually
3: new, uh, new footage from The Grinch. Oh, oh my. man! Come <laughs> on now! rain like Thanks that for one. That. <laughs> And it will be coming to Regal, so
1: and Very it exciting. is coming to
0: Regal. Yeah. That's crazy. What were you going to say, Ray? About no, no, no. That's the poster. That oh, that's the poster. Dropped. Brand new poster. <laughs> yeah. that's it's going to really be way. the
1: thumbnail for the that. new hotness.
0: <laughs> <for> every segment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's next? Uh, Alan Ling says, "Hey, Jonica crew, saw Glass Onion twice this past weekend. I loved it. I wish I could see it more in theaters. Worried a bit about the third movie." Ryan Johnson set a high bar now for these movies.
0: Listen, I was worried about the second one because he set a high bar with the. Like, I, I, on a bash, I love Knives Out. This movie was. Here's what's great about this movie it was a definitively Benoit Blanc, but it was a definitively different movie than Knives Out was. And I, you know what? I did not like when I first heard that it was going to be an entirely different cast. I mean, obviously, it's a new mystery, yes, but I thought it would have been great if they brought over maybe one or two characters, maybe uh character mm-hmm. would be an apprentice of his or so, whatever. But you know what? After watching it, the first five minutes of this movie, have you seen it yet? No, yeah. The first five minutes of the movie, just when they're introducing the characters, I'm like, I'm, this movie's a winner already. Just as And when they introduced Dave Batista's character with his mom, oh my God, I just yeah, this thing's great. I'm glad you had a chance to see it. But yes- Now he's got the third one, the bar set high, but it was set high with the first one and he followed through on the second one. So cannot wait to see the third one. Really looking forward to Poker Face too that Ryan Johnson's got Mm -hmm. coming out. So, all right, what's next?
1: Gabriel says, Jonathan, stock by the day? Options Uh, and moving on. Options (laughs) and moving on. There we go. All right, what's next? Sin Vendetta says, hey, Christian,
2: you've known both John and Rob for a good minute. Got a favorite story about either of them or both? yeah I mean for sure John I think I'll give a more sentimental one for John John did a did a roast well I had a roast for from one of my birthdays and John came oh, I remember and that. it's actually on your I think it's on this channel you have yeah you did your speech for what you gave to me and I thought most people are going up there telling some very funny jokes John gave a really nice speech um about me and I think you said it the other day on your stream is that we we have a type of relationship to where we can um we'll both kind of bounce back and forth. And if we don't like something, we'll tell each other. And I think that's why we've consistently worked well together. But John, John can do that as much as you can see that he can be a, a stone-faced killer at times. He's got a, he's got a pretty big heart. So, and same thing goes for Rob. But my favorite show Rob is when Rob showed up at the, uh, oh, no. at the, the well, the Houston, the Houston event. <laughs> and we and, he, and i mean the man was fit for wrestling i mean you were like that coat he brings in this coat and he comes out and he has this, this whole big entrance and he's looking at it, he comes up to me and he's just like
1: you got us a wrestling ring and i was like
2: i was like i didn't like and and we just had some really phenomenal uh, we had a, we had a, we had a great week i was it was funny because when you invited me to that event you said
1: don't tell anybody you're coming Right, so like I show up by myself and like I couldn't go. I didn't want to show my face, and this I ended up a surprise, yeah. <laughs> going to the, like the waterfront, going, "This is as far away as I can get." It was amazing. <laughs> it was really cool. All right, what's next? The Swifties said, "With the mean one and a horror Bambi, I want a horror Berenstein Bears movie called Ber- Barroween." Er, Barroween. Barrowin, like heroin, I think. Oh, heroin, like heroin. Okay, I, heroin. Listen,
0: that's a good mix. Bernstein. So, sorry. According to Bernstein, uh, Bernstein, Berenstein. Berenstein. In, in cor- according to uh, Peacemaker, it's Bernstein. 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 No, S
2: T A I
0: N. Everyone thinks. Mandela but then they effect. say that the actual no, thing the Mandela
2: is- effect is that you think it's Bernstein, but it's not. It's Bernstein. S T right. A I N. Bernstein. Okay, Berenstein. but
0: I thought in peace i could be wrong about this. thought Peacemaker. they correct everybody Said it's actually baron
2: stein opposite everybody thought it was stein okay and then it i, 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 I thought it was baron I, I read it i read it to my daughter every night that is
0: right it, yeah. for a crossover with a goldilocks and the three bears kind of uh who's sleeping yeah. in my bed somebody great let's eat him. i mean I, you could do that <laughs> all right what's next
1: William bang says john i love the t-shirt you wore on ask me anything on sunday great going john
0: what was the T-shirt that I wore? I, guys in the live chat, if you guys remember which one it was. Oh, I, you know, I think I, it was the uh, I've Got a Bad Feeling About This shirt. Nice. That was, that, I think that was the shirt I was wearing. Well, thank you. Yeah, I really do. I haven't worn that shirt in a while. I pull it down. I was like, yeah, I like this. All right, what's next?
1: Uh, Tucker Flynn says, off the top of your heads, what is the most recent great Christmas holiday movie? Seems like a lot of the great ones are oldies. I don't know. Maybe just me.
0: That's the thing. When I watch this with no expectation, because I was telling everybody, Christian, that I always step and watch the midnight release of everything that comes mm. out on Disney Plus, right? Did not do that for this holiday special. Yeah. So now nah, watch it later. That's one of the things why I think it stands out to me so much is because I can't remember the last time there was a holiday special or a Christmas movie that made me go that, that just made me fall in love with it the way that the Guardian's holiday special did. You
2: said it on the thing, too. It's like I thought, it, I thought the same thing you did. I thought it was going to be like a throwaway thing that didn't really um, have much meaning, and it did. And you were actually very insightful yesterday when you told me cause I, where it came down into the phase that it takes place around the same time Hawkeye and everything. It makes, oh, yeah. makes a lot of sense to me. But it was, it was the way that it all played together, the stuff that works emotionally, and the bits were funny and the bits worked and i didn't and when you shut your brain off not shut your brain off to where you you smash yourself in the head with a hammer cuz it's smart it's it's very smart it's witty but when you stop to th- stop thinking hey this everything needs to connect this is you just take it as a one-off christmas special and it is it, it's not a throwaway but it's a one-off and it's yeah. a, and it's just a fun feel good thing that you don't have to connect everything it's just enjoy your holiday season um i i the first thing that came to mind and i maybe i'm
1: embarrassed to admit how much i love this movie i love the holiday with oh yay. with with jack black. jack black and cameron diaz and kate uh and is jude law kate winslet and, jude and kate Lover. winslet yeah. yeah and it even has a eli wallach is in it he plays a, mo- a music a composer for movies i love that movie yeah all right what's next know, you know toon talks says hey guys i saw the puss in boots last wish early screening on saturday and it was genuinely so fantastic please don't sleep on this movie when it comes out december 21st is that what you Can you, you scroll down just a bit there Jonathan oh, yeah, so we can see what that it. says december 21st. 21st yep
0: i'll tell you what i was sleeping on this movie but the trailer got my attention a bit but now hearing these reviews coming out about it and and sounding like maybe the movie does live up to the trailer i'm there thanks for giving us your your perspective on that because uh, yeah i ain't going to sleep on this one now i'm mm. i'm actually now quite excited to see it all right i mean i may not go with Taylor, uh, but I, I'm definitely going to go. Just see. boots and a sword. That's definitely no boots or a sword. Alright, what's next? That's all you're wearing? That's,
2: That's...
0: <laughs> That's why I said just. Oh, just, our, boots.
2: Yeah, just, just
3: boots and a sword and a cape. That's What more could you need?
2: And John said no boots, just the sword. Just a sword.
3: <laughs> I'm all sword, baby.
2: Alright, oh, what's
1: next?
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> Al Renshaw says, cocaine bear poster let's go i mean it
0: looks great it is such a you know it's a cross between sin city and a 300 poster yeah. it looks yeah definitely <laughs> yeah that's that's what it is right i think that's the font is that not the 300 100%, font? yeah yeah I'm totally down for this all right what's next
1: <laughs> uh hoopsuni says saw glass onion and the first 10 minutes i'd be nervous but when the actual plot kicked in i absolutely loved it not quite as good as the first, in my opinion, though.
0: I, I think it might be. I think it might even be a little bit. I'm I'm not sure. Again, I got to watch it a second time to really formulate my my thoughts on this. But I think there's a good chance I may like it more than the first. And, and again, the mystery is a very different type of mystery. I love how there was references back to the first film. Uh, the very fact that the movie starts with a puzzle, I thought was great. The The individual characters are wonderful. I loved the Kate Hudson character. The Kate Hudson character... You haven't seen the movie yet, Rob, right? For those of you who've seen the movie, come on. There's a little bit of Robert Meyer Burnett in that Kate Hudson Ooh. character. If if you know, if you know I'll <laughs> oh, not, not, saying, not, mean, not out mean, out wait all. for Rob to see the movie to see what I'm talking about there. But there's, there's a little element. There's a little element there. But anyway, I, I thought it was fantastic. I cannot wait to watch it again. All right, what's next?
1: going to look closely at that now. <laughs> a sit loud says. Yo, crew, you guys should go check out music by MERS. It's called BT... (laughs) Oh, Big Time Spending 2. It's made out of Legos. It's about buying physical media and geek culture. Rob, I think you would love it. Sounds like it. Count me in. Big Time Spending 2. I have no
0: idea what we're talking about.
3: Oh, a music video is what he was saying. Yeah. There's
0: a music video that... this is about okay.
3: I mean, is, uh, is I was thinking the Korean band
1: BTS. Is there a sequel band? BT Dollar uh, uh, Sign. Yeah, BT Dollar. I'll, That's my knockoff that band. That's <laughs>
0: my spoof band. Yeah, I dance with nothing but a sword. You'll <laughs> love it. It's great. <laughs> All right, what's next? And yeah, and the sword's not where you think it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, TJ Slab Dragon Watson says banana splits started this horror uh, trend, horror parody I, trend. That sounds familiar. Out the parody. <laughs> Parody. Yeah, that
0: sounds yeah. familiar. I can't remember it exactly, but that does sound familiar.
1: Yeah, because there was that Evil Banana Splits movie. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, what's next?
1: Uh, Devin Pangrekar says, thoughts on the <laughs> Wednesday series?
0: Again, uh, we haven't watched it yet. My wife has watched first three episodes. She's loving it, so I got to get caught up with her so I can watch the rest of it with her. So uh, thoughts on it coming soon. Can yep. I say
3: something really quick about Wednesday? This yep. comes to us from deadline from... Uh, 10 minutes ago, it says uh, Wednesday Netflix has made its way into the top. You need to speak
0: into your microphone there. Don't forget. Top 10 in
3: all 93 countries. um, And it it's at number one in 83 of them. So that's
0: pretty cool. That's not bad. That's well done for Wednesday. I'm looking forward to checking it out. All right. What's next? Uh, Jedediah Elias says, what happened to member chats? Uh, Member chat video went up yesterday. Yeah, it was a great one, too. Yeah, it was a really good. So, yeah. So what happens now with our channel member chats when you guys send them in during the show? Uh, Ray and and Taylor, I believe, collect them up. And then every couple of days, we do a dedicated video for only our member, our channel members. And by the way, big thank you to all of you guys who are our channel members. And uh, they record a video answering all of those questions. So, yeah, those go up every couple of days. One went up just yesterday.
1: And it was mildly, I think, well, actually, greatly amusing, I have to say. All right. What's next? Uh, Mr. Godzilla says, if Legendary gets into contact with the MCU, have them do a Savage Land and Devil Dinosaur film. Hey, man i'd, I'd be well no here's that. the thing
0: legendary will not be producing marvel movies no they'll be producing sony movies and spider-man is a sony movie that's being produced by marvel right. and you could have legendary then team up with them on that but what you're not going to see is legendary coming in and start doing other marvel-owned characters only stuff that's under the sony umbrella all right what's next
1: because cinema reviews says Glass Onion was so disappointing. Ooh. not a single reference to a donut. <laughs> Just kidding. I saw it a second time yesterday. Not better than the first, but definitely crazier.
0: That I love the donut speech. The donut speech from the first one still sticks with me a lot. But I, I mean, this there was a great. It's a wonderful whodunit because there are by the time the movie ends. See, I hate whodunits that they get to the big reveal at the end and you're like. There is no way an audience member would have been able to determine this because they slip in two or three facts at the end that was not shown to the audience later. Right? That always frustrates me. This came down to the end. There was some great misdirection. I thought it was the one character for a while. Then I became 100% convinced it was this other character. And then by the time they reveal it at the end, I'm like, oh, this makes sense. Yeah, Yeah, when they revealed what the actual outcome is, you're like, oh, yeah, when you put the pieces together of everything that they showed you as an audience, it could have been deduced. And I love that about it. Those are my favorite types of whodunits. So they did a great job with that. All right, what's next? Uh,
1: uh, let's see. Marla Jehovah uh, says, I can't be a crew. After watching Andor as a series, I have come to the realization that I would much rather Knights of the Old Republic brought to
0: life as a TV series. Thoughts? No, it, it all depends on what the story is. It all depends on what you do as a story. Like, you can go... It depends on how you want to adapt the Knights of the Old Republic story. Like, you can come up with something completely different, and that would work better as a movie. Or you could do it another way, and it would work absolutely perfect as a series. It all depends on what the story they're trying to tell. It's like, you ask, would Hawkeye work better as a series or as a movie? Series was fantastic. Well, the series, which was a total turd. But, I mean... it it all depended on what story they wanted to tell with it because one story would have been better for a series one story would have been better for a movie so it really all depends but christian you have a very strong opinion i
2: do i've been saying for a while i agree with the viewer 100 percent. i think of the republic um and their opinion my opinion would work very well as a a series i don't disagree that it could also work as a couple of movies if they adapted it as such but it's so detailed what i think that they don't do for some reason, um, whether it's movies, books, comics, whatever, look at it the same way you would look at a Lord of the Rings or the Harry Potter or Game of Thrones, take the story and adapt it, use some of the stuff that really worked. But what I think that they should do with the old Republic in general is introduce it as a movie and then take a whole bunch, take take a room, create a writer's, Plan out a big uh, movie. Plan out a series. Plan out a a movie that'll come out. You know, convincing. You know, a nice little Republic movie that maybe combines with the series. Mm. I still think that's one of the ways to do their season finales. Is do like a big movie, like Mandalorian. Maybe do when it's a series. When it's a series finale, maybe it comes out in a December of twenty twenty six or whatever it is, and the finale is like a December sixteenth, and then the movie, the finale of the whole series, comes out the following week. The
0: problem, of course, the the logistical problem with that is that the the only people then that can go see the movie are the people who are disney plus subscribers and watch the show
2: well yeah i mean it's that's but you're you're also banking on a show that's been out for that long and you're you're basically it's a star wars movie and you'd say you have a chance to catch up on these seasons to see it but the show's popular enough. <laughs> that you would assume that it's going to do very well the same way that a sex in a city movie did very well the same way, you know, uh, now I'm not, I shouldn't say the saints of Newark cause I didn't do very well, but you know, the, but, but there are movies that, that are based off TV shows that do well.
0: Right. But they, the ones that did well were the ones that were, Shows that were now canceled and and done. And then I'm
2: I'm talking about it as a series as a like it's a series finale. Like the last one ever is going to be released in the theater in like 2027 because then it plays out because then you can release it in Disney plus three months later after it. And that's the that's the end of the Mandalorian is you ended in the theater.
1: Well, of all the Star Wars of all the Star Wars properties that exist in any kind of extended universe. The Knights of the Old Republic might be the most beloved. Yeah. And the idea that it was not something that was looked at or talked about in the last 10 years as a series for TV, especially Disney Plus, I would have thought that would have been the very first thing. She
2: thinks it's too inside baseball, man. Well,
1: that's 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 a failure of creativity. Well, I mean, James Gunn wouldn't have made that mistake.
0: (sighs) James Gunn also made the lowest grossing DC movie there was. But it's which yeah, it was fantastic. fantastic. But, now, but, now but it, it, is, it is fantastic. But, but when you're the head of the company, though, and I'm somebody who believes Kathy Kennedy has to go. So, but, but let me play devil's advocate for a second. When you're the head of a company, you have to think beyond more than just that, right? So you've got to look at that. And there, because that, what you just brought up, that Knights of the Old Republic is a little inside baseball that's not wrong it is inside baseball the average movie fan has never heard of it but if it's a good story it's a good story but if it's a good story it's a good story and who knows maybe like when those those piles of scripts come on their desk maybe the treatment that got turned in for it wasn't a good one and they said well we're, we're gonna pass on that for now but the nice thing is it's still under their roof it's not like there's a a, um, a statute of limitations that if they didn't make a Knights of the Old Republic now, then they can never right. do one. So it's sure, one of the things and it takes it.
2: place like a thousand years before. So it's always, well, that, it's yeah.
0: always I mean, open.
1: See, the funny thing is though, if you look at the, the with all the other pop culture that exists, there's a video on YouTube. It's in a ship where where the, all these Sith, they ignite all their lights. Yeah, yeah, and they yeah. Never that's, any, yeah from that's, that's from the Republic. That's the
0: Old Republic. Yeah. That, not Knights of the Old Republic. That's, that's the Old Republic. Republic. Yeah. But
1: anyway, you Love look at that, there's your, like, here's what it is like here's the show
2: that would be like that time it's before the Sith with a rule of two yeah Yeah. Yeah. all right
0: what's next
1: uh rafael castillo says test all of my last five or six super chats have been charged not made through and all but one refunded
0: uh again that's something you got to take up with youtube we we read everyone that comes through but you're gonna have to check double check that with youtube that's not something that we can control on our end unfortunately by the way that one made it yeah and yeah. that oh, way test it. worked all right what's next
1: uh kyle schneider says i saw puss in boots the last witch and i loved it funny great characters and subtle themes of morality highly recommended
0: um I, or is that morality is that mor- i didn't see it so mortality no that's morality yeah. mm-hmm. um I, because i heard mortality is also at kind of one of the at the heart yeah, yeah, of yeah, the absolutely. things here nothing but great things thank you for sharing your thoughts on it as well you guys are just making me more excited to see this so i'm super stoked for it all right what's next Gabriel says, I've got to say, even though the manifest
1: plot or pilot is a plot is a lot of gobbledygook, actors, in my opinion, are compelling and even some good emotional scenes. Can't wait for season four point five. Well, Gabriel, you just nailed it on the head. That whole show is gobbledygook. It's ridiculous. But those actors, the reason I watch this show is because those actors believe, man. I have never seen a cast believe in gobbledygook more than the cast of Manifest does. <laughs> By God, they all deserve a SAG award. Give those people what they
0: deserve. By the way, I, I tried. The, 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 the initial conceit of that show looked really interesting. Plane takes off, and when they land what is it 15 five years five later. years have passed that's fascinating to me yep i muscled through to episode four <laughs> and by the time i think it was the episode where they all mysteriously feel compelled to go to the that airport or whatever I'm like oh the
1: plane blows yeah. up yeah and i'm like I I lost a
0: that's like no oh, it, i i tap i it tap it is it is Horrible. yeah
1: it's <laughs> i'm telling you <laughs> all right what's next <laughs> that cast oh boy mac woody we talk a lot about dc what do you think the future looks like for Warner Brothers? Does Warner Brothers Studio have good movies
0: and franchises? Thanks, John. Listen, they are, like, even before the new ownership took over, Rob, you talk about this a lot. Warner Brothers is maybe the most celebrated, like, like with the history of that studio and all that kind of stuff. They are still awards darlings and all that kind of stuff. I personally think now under the new ownership, and this is up for debate, but to me, I think other than his inability to keep legendary to stay and maybe that was a lost cause. I don't know, but I, I am personally in the camp that everything that the new ownership has done at Warner brothers has been picture perfect and exactly what you need to do to set the groundwork for future success. I think there's a bright future for Warner brothers, DC, all this kind of stuff. I love the moves that they've been making. So yeah, they are still a prominent powerhouse they will continue to be a prominent powerhouse, and I, I think good things lay ahead. You're a little more skeptical on that than I am.
2: I mean, I think he's Zasloff, uh, and I've been calling him that lately because I think he's been doing a couple things right lately. I don't agree that he's done everything right. I think that I, I, I only
0: say that because he's done everything I would have done. Yeah, but so I, mean, I think but it's the right even thing. Even with like, the
2: Batgirl thing, right? Like, I think that if the movie stinks, and they feel that like they could have made some money off of it by doing the tax break, then that's the move to make. I just think his handling and the way that he went about it in the bedside manner that he came with across with the layoffs and stuff in his first couple of weeks, I think. And then from what I heard, people have been talking to him and it seems like things have been better in his bedside manner over the last month or so, because initially he came out and it was just, it was brutal and how he was not, not necessarily the moves he was making, but in the manner that he was doing it on phone calls and other things and in press releases. But I think that he's, he's got a, he's got a, a task in front of him of getting them out of debt, doing the things that he has to do, making some moves. And I think that he's been doing some good stuff and having to get some meetings in there to make new franchises he's talked about harry potter and bringing harry potter back i don't know how he's gonna do that but these other things i think he's got to find ways to to make some new franchises
0: i think the the smartest thing he has done is when you look at the executive level stuff at warner brothers he's been surrounding himself with very, very very smart people
2: well, he's doing that thing that we all talk about i hate to, i don't want this to be a pile up on lucasfilm but like the thing that we always talk about with lucasfilm was that instead of having one person try to do everything surround yourself with the team and go like you said it yesterday on the show it's like 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 when when dwayne johnson was trying to get superman in and they're like no no no, we can't do that you can't do that and dwayne's making his his uh case for it like no 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 we, we're staying we're staying steady and Zavis goes, well no you know what you think it can work i like having him he's a big power source go get him and he trusts in his creators it's the person that can make the power moves and trust in the people around them, those are the most successful people. It's the ones that try to do everything themselves and try to like, hold everybody at bay and make the creative decisions and do the producing role. And do it. That's when it starts to be a problem. Mm. Good point. Alright, what's next? Uh, the Swifties. Oh no.
1: How do bears That's... catch fish? I'm they on. use their bare hands.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd like that one. Been...
1: <laughs> My
2: presence right. is being felt here.
1: Wow. Uh, all right. Tucker <laughs> Flynn says the only new holiday movie that comes to mind for me is The Night Before, but I'd hardly call it great. It's but pretty
2: good. Which yeah. one was Snow the night Die Hard. Though. Seth, was Anthony Mackie, yeah. yeah. Seth Rogen. Yep, yeah,
0: yeah. and Seth Rogen. Yeah. You know what? underrated. That's not a bad one. It's underrated. It's it's not one that I ever felt like I'm going to come back to this movie every Christmas yeah. like I do Joseph Just Gordon Love. You like right? yeah, yeah. that wasn't a bad yeah. little one at all yeah. actually. That's a good one to point out. All right, what's next?
3: Uh, support here from Nova Star.
0: Oh, thank you Nova Star for just sending a super chat to be supportive.
1: Uh hoop SUNY. I know De- Oh De- hang on Devin, Devin Pangrecar, uh Pangrecar says, Is continuity is continuity becoming a bigger issue in the MCU?
0: Yes. It look, it it but it is like Thanos himself, inevitable. The the bigger and bigger and bigger this thing gets, the the more and more difficult it's going to be because whenever you make a movie, in a shared cinematic universe, the biggest struggle is always this. Your creators have their hands a little bit more tied than when they're making a purely original movie. Because in a purely original movie, you can walk in, you can do whatever you'd like to do. In the MCU, you're stepping in. It's like there's some very firm boundaries you've got to stay within. And at times, it's going to break. There was a good article on Screen Rant, actually, I think it was. That put out, say Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special broke Canon five times. <laughs> it's like, and you know what? Right, they they kind of did in a way, but that's fine. It is inevitable though. The 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 deeper and the further and further you go, the more and more we're gonna it's gonna start with little fractures mm. and then it's gonna be pure breaks in canon. Like how how do what's the best way to deal with that?
2: Oh man, I mean, I think that it's it's t- like the out that they always have is the matter of the different multiverses, and yes. the different things. That's that's, that's always the, out the lazy because, man fallback. Because a yeah. lot of people are saying that some, there's a theory going around that Phase Four all takes place in a, in a different. But
1: Rob subscribes to this. You city, do that as yeah. well, right? So, well, the, the, what we've been seeing over different films, different universes,
2: right? So in Phase Four, and like cause you, I saw you guys talking about yesterday with the, like the Bucky's arm thing, right? Like James Gunn confirmed that Nebula went down and stole it. That's right. what he said in his on tw- Twitter. He said he went down and he stole it. and he said, "Really? That's that's how that was, that's how it happened." He's like, "Yeah, that's how it happened."
1: Well, we saw in Falcon and Winter Soldier how easy it is to get. I mean,
2: the well, dormelage, bing. Right. So, well, that's my point. It's like, off. so what's really canon? What's up? Because James Gunn carries out anyway. Now, yeah. so what is, <laughs> he's what is that, he? That, he's he's like, after You guard. know, if,
0: if they start the Thunderbolts. With, like, why are you late? Can't find my arm. Right. If they start that, then that would probably be a funny little gag. But it, it gets more and more tricky. Yeah, tricky. The more mythology you create, mm-hmm. the harder it is to keep it all in line. And, I mean, just to
1: put it in perspective, in 60 years, there was 25 James Bond movies. Not that canon was a big deal. In 14 years, there have been 30 MCU movies. Mm-hmm. So the content that they've created, no one's ever done this before. And the TV shows. And, and the, the shows. That's, that yeah. doesn't include shows. All right, what's next? Last one. Uh, SUNY says I am praying that Glass Onion gets some sort of physical media release like The Irishman and Uncut Gems, both Netflix originals. Both of those came out by uh, by Criterion as well. So maybe it will.
0: Yeah, Netflix is a little more open to doing that sort of thing, so I wouldn't doubt it if they did it all. A couple of the other streamers are wisely kind of avoiding that, but yeah, I mean Netflix seems to do that. So if you're looking for that on your shopping list in a few months, I think you're going to be in luck. All right guys, And that'll do it for this installment of the John Campy show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the show. Thank you guys so very much. For your support. Hey, don't forget to come back uh, to the channel a little bit later today at 3 p.m. Los Angeles time. That'll be 6 p.m. New York time as Rob and I do an open mic where we just carry on the conversation with you guys. Hope that you'll come back and join us in. And of course, make sure you come on back and join us for the John Campia show tomorrow. And guys, while you're here, why don't you take a second, help the channel out. Click on the thumbs up button. Subscribe to the channel. Leave a comment down below. All these things help push our videos out to an even wider audience. So thank you all for your support. All right. For everybody in the room, I want to thank Robert Meyer Burnett. Thank you so much. Christian, love it when you guys drop in here on Tuesdays. Where can people find you and follow your stuff? I'm, John, I'm just
2: seconds away, probably like 800 people away, from uh, 60,000 finally on my YouTube channel i have had it. Just It's a Christian Harloff channel. It's never going to get there. Never going to get there. Been there about a, <laughs> uh, about, about a year. So if you guys have a chance to go over there, please. I always drop a comment on the, on the show that I'm on. So thank you to John and everybody for having me on. And the last thing I'll leave you with is um, how do you make an egg roll? Just roll it.
0: <laughs> also, sitting back right. there and loving the jokes <laughs> is Ray Aura with... uh-huh. and Jonathan Voico's been running the show. Thank you for getting all the facts for us. <laughs> <laughs> all the facts for us. Taylor Gonzalez has been getting those for us. I am, of course, John Campia. Thanks a lot for being here, guys. And until next time, my friends. Bye bye.